with key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials. The exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Elixir is changing lives everywhere. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most products fall short and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other products, the Bella Grace Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C, Astereal Astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. Amazonian cat's claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bella Grace Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. Money can buy you almost anything. It can't buy you immortality. That you have to earn. I'm gonna look you in the eyes and I'm gonna tell you the future. It's an American story and that's why Americans are gonna love it. People are gonna build you up. God, are they going to? Because when you're great and new, we love you. Man, we'll build you into something that doesn't even exist. You're gonna change the world. But you know what? Once they've built you as high as they possibly can, they're gonna tear you back down. It's the most predictable pattern. We build you into something that doesn't exist, and that means you have to try to be that thing. All day, every day, that's how it works. And we do it again, and again, and again. And I'm gonna tell you the truth. You're gonna be attacked, betrayed, exposed, and humiliated. And you'll survive that. A lot of people can climb that mountain. It's the way down that breaks them. Because that's the moment when you are truly alone. And what will you do then? Can you summon the will to fight on through all the pain and rise again? That will be the defining question of your life. And I think you already know the answer. And that's why we're all here. A shoe is just a shell. Until somebody steps into it.
understand it has meaning. The rest of us just want a chance to touch that greatness. And we need you in these shoes, not so you have meaning in your life, but so that we have meaning in ours. Everyone will be forgotten as soon as our time here is up. Previously on The Pete Santilli Show. Do you do you agree that 2024 will be the most consequential year of our entire lives? Now we're we're not talking about November. We're talking about 1201 January 1st. Boom, pedal to the metal. 2024. Uh, it sounds like you know something that I do as well. So on January 1st, 2024, it's going. The whole year is going to be the most unconventional political uh, year. I think in our nation's history. Now, to compare that, right? You got to go back to in our nation's history, well, 1770s, right? If you look at that decade and what transpired, then you fast forward to the 1860s, about 90 years later, and what, what the country looked like back then. And then fast forward another 100 years to the 1960s and what we saw happen then, right? Particularly as it applies to the uh, Department of Just Justice and the FBI and what they did to their political opponents such as Martin Luther King Jr., uh, RFK, JFK. And so I think we're going to start seeing more of a confluence of what's going on. And I think they're going to try to potentially do uh, playbooks that they we recently seen them do over the last three to 10 years, three being the pandemic from 2020. The last 10 years, the, you know, try to divert America's attention to foreign altercations, whether it be Ukraine escalation, whether, you know, to the nuclear level. Time to start freaking resisting this crap. I'm not talking about bringing harm to anybody. Stop helping them arrest you. Stop saying they're nice. I was accused of impeding. You know what I say to that? I took all my paperwork. Yeah. Did you impede? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the next time I do it, I'm going to do it with a freaking MRAP. I'm the proudest impeder you've ever seen. Call me Impeter Zantilli. What? Yeah. You know where I'm pissed off? Because Tedros Boudreaux's freaking uh, uh, unelected person. You know what he said? What? Do I have that freaking thing? I don't know. Before I go to Ivan Reichland, you know what this freaking puke said? I'm serious. Now we're fighting, okay? I'll go to freaking arms if you mess with my steak. I was out at the barbecue on Christmas, wasn't I? You were. I'm going to eat beef. I'm not going to make any investment advice. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just dumb as a box of paper clips, and nobody's going to be harmed uh, by buying silver. I think it's going to just booyah, skyrocket. But let me throw back to you. Uh, 
I don't make any investment advice. I'm not a trader. I'm just a, you know, I'm an ivermectin smuggler, if it tells you anything, you know. <laughs> I'm an opportunist, right? Uh, anyways, all right, sir. Uh, yeah, smuggler, as long as you're not a reseller, I guess you're good, right? No, no, no. I, oh, yeah, I want to live. I got ivermectin. I couldn't get it before. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's flip over here. We'll flip over to the silver chart and take a quick look at this while, oh. we're, while we're talking silver. Let's do it. So silver is an active state. It's an active harmonic structure that we have. Um, you can see back in here, you know, we built the, uh, we built a, not a great uh, energy build up in the breakout zone, but. common bond truly freedom freedom without freedom you can't be a christian no matter what denomination you belong to you can't be a buddhist you can't own a donut shop you can't drive from here to oregon you can't be an american because that's what it's all about and it's the only thing that it's all about nothing else Nothing else. It's about freedom. There is a time to pray and there's a time to stand. Click, click, boom. Here we are. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to everybody. Boy, oh boy, get settled in. I have to restrain myself. Uh, you can call me the impeder in chief. <laughs> impeder Santilli. Uh, my name is Pete Santilli. I'm a host of this live broadcast each and every day. Uh, we kick off at 8 a.m. and I, I want you, uh, this is a labor of love, the open, and what we're going to be doing for our open and our news headlines, or we're, we're going to be building into our previously ons. It's great. Actually, I get to review. Uh, our crew actually transcribes everything. They go back through, they run the highlights, we run them back through just in case you missed the previous episode or maybe the tail end of it. Um, you know, when people are doing three hour broadcasts, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's too long. I got to go. I'm like, I don't stay still for three hours for nothing. But you guys do. Don't go away. This one right here. This is what I need you to do. Okay. We're going to do a slow walk up to what I'm about to present. I told Karen. She's always connected to us virtually, but that doesn't mean anything anyway because Karen and us and Angie all of us are connected spiritually always we have thousands of miles but that means nothing because she had me gather my cheese one day when I was what did I have suspenders on that day and a paisley tie I think <laughs> what did I have uh, I was 
I was dressed dapper, like Joe Corbett. I had $500 Cole Hans on, too, by the way. Remember my Cole Hans? I had good, I had good shoes, didn't I? Yes. Yes. Yes, and Daryl Peterson, my goodness, may he rest in peace. He, he required me to have style when I walked into his banking building. Daryl Peterson, he used to compliment me on my wingtips and my Cole Hans. He knew what that was because, ladies and gentlemen, the honorable, legendary Daryl Peterson, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. That's the truth, and I'm not just saying this. Even if Karen was not listening right now, that is the truth. Talk about the pinnacle of success. Became a self-made millionaire, I think, on the smile that he had by the time he was 21 years old. Became a real estate mogul in Victorville, California. I think Roy Rogers moved to Victorville because of Daryl Peterson. Huh. <laughs> I think I think he did. The Roy Rogers Museum was there. Daryl Peterson. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please everybody say a prayer uh, for Daryl Peterson's survivors. He's certainly moved on. Man, that guy. I'll bet you he probably purchased in advance like multiple clouds. He's going to be given one, but mm -hmm. I'm sure that he purchased like a whole bunch of extra clouds. That is so Because sweet. that's what he does. I swear to you. I swear <laughs> to you. I'm sure he's got the deeds. He's got them all oh, set man, up. That's great. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and when the real estate market goes down, he takes all of his cash and he just buys more dirt, more clouds, <laughs> you know, right? Isn't that the truth? Karen Peterson, right? Oh, my goodness, the market's taking a downturn. It took all of his cash and bought dirt in the high desert. And what it's a just smart like move, huh? Quadrupled in value. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I just realized, Karen Peterson? You're going to be like a multi-freaking-trillionaire one day. Didn't they build a bridge out there? Nobody built a bridge in Victorville until the big boom out there, right near Daryl Peterson's dirt out there in the high mm. desert. But ladies and gentlemen, Daryl Peterson is Karen Peterson's dad. And he passed away right before Christmas. Mm. So our entire Pete Santilli Show uh, family, Deb, you know, the, the day prior, just uh, out of the blue. But then again, not out of the blue because we always talk about Daryl Peterson. Um, but I, I, I told her. I told Karen, she's like family. Mm -hmm. And I said, tell your dad, I said, Merry Christmas. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And just, you know what? Um, I'll say that just the thought of that alone and, and in his honor, right? I don't have any regrets that she didn't get a chance to tell him. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that guy's gone. I'm, I'm not joking. He's one of the nicest people. I've ever met in my entire life. That's the truth, Karen. Isn't he? He is. I, have you ever said a bad thing about your dad? Never. She never has. And Karen says bad things about everyone, especially me. <laughs> she yeah, she's not. got an opinion, huh? She's <laughs> never said he is like a legendary dad. Mm -hmm. He's a legendary dad, isn't he? 
my goodness, he loved his he loved his children. And you were the black sheep of the family, and he loved you just as much. Huh? You're a pot smoking Buddha belly rubbing. <laughs> right? He did love you more. Trusted her. She was the mother hen off in the corner in charge of compliance. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what Karen was in charge. Kind of like she is here on the Pete Zantilli show. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and Daryl Peterson is Karen Peterson's dad, and he passed away, and it breaks all of her hearts. I mean, it's a, you know, she's actually crying right now. Mm -hmm. You have to admit, uh, it's very sad, Karen, but you have to admit, but eulogizing your dad right now, he's worth it, isn't he? Isn't he? He's so worth it. You're so lucky. I'm so lucky that I met all of you. So lucky. Mm -hmm. So lucky that I met all of you because here we are. Now, this broadcast, Deb Jordan, is going to yeah. be on screen for probably about three minutes. And then I'm going to boop, steamroll. <laughs> and then I'm done. Uh, this will be the most important broadcast. This is what I need you guys to do. We have some work that we need to do here first. If I do not get to this important interview, it's going to get biffed. I won't be able to transition to it. Okay. I have a very important interview with a, a newfound friend. My goodness. Does everyone know who Reiner Fulmick is? Reiner Fulmick. Everyone know, everyone know who Reiner Fulmick is? Let me know in the chat thread if you know who Reiner Fulmick is. He is the one man that led a consortium internationally and brought a grand jury and literally presented with attorneys uh, evidence of the grand criminal conspiracy, the world's largest conspiracy against humanity, known as COVID, mm. okay? He is the closest to have brought, as close as you can get to a Nuremberg-style trial, okay? One of those attorneys, I met her last night, and she gave us an update. And here's the update on Reiner Fulmeck. I just found this out yesterday. Reiner Fulmeck was in Mexico with his wife. His passport, their passports mysteriously disappeared. Imagine. Right? Huh? Imagine. Mysteriously. Mm-hmm. And he's from Germany. And six German mercs, okay, kidnap him. From, uh, I'm understanding because you're going to hear it directly from her, so if I misspeak, but uh, it's pretty close. They kidnapped him. They don't have an extradition treaty. Mexico doesn't. They kidnapped Reiner Fulmeck in October of, of this year, and he is still incarcerated. And that's the one guy that was the closest to bringing a Nuremberg-style trial. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Okay. It? Yes. And she is a godly soul. You'll see this. I'm going to get to this interview. Now, uh, where am I going to go for this particular show? Um, actually, during the interview, um, I'm going to be taking care of something here. It, it, this, is, this will be, A, the most dangerous expose. I've done it before, okay, but... 
you know, when I do my little Ukrainian rants, everyone's like, oh, my goodness. That's not really relevant. Okay. Hmm. At the time, you know, I mean, well, in 2013, I covered Ukraine. Everyone's like, wow, Pete, good job. <laughs> Pat on yeah. the back, kick in the pants. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's three people right now. Can I please take a rung in the hierarchy? T correct me if I'm wrong, Deb. Okay. There's Oliver Stone. Yep. Period. Oliver Stone is a Ukrainian Russian historian. That relationship yeah. between the two he is. Mm -hmm. Second is Lee Stranahan. Mm -hmm. And who do you know as a third? You. I'm going to say this because I'm an understudy to the two right. of them. Uh, you know, I, Oliver Stone, not directly, but Lee Stranahan. I've been an understudy to mm -hmm. Lee Stranahan since dating all the way back to 2014, 2015. Right. Uh, he's taught me a lot. Now, where does that take us? Let me fast forward and tell you what I'm going to be presenting today. And and listen, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to prosecute Joe Biden in a court of public opinion. All right. And I have documented proof way more than what these freaking theatrical chimps are doing mm -hmm. from Comer on down. And, I don't and, care who they are. And the big one is Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Is Joe Biden. Barack Hillary Obama. Clinton, who they're keeping off the radio and let radar mm -hmm. and letting yep. her slide under yes. the wire on this one. Yes. She, her name isn't being mentioned. And as you... I mean, when they mentioned Lev Parnas yesterday, you were like, wait a minute. Whoa, I fell out of the chair. Okay. Yeah. Because I know a lot about Lev Parnas. And that he's going to be that he's going to be testifying. He yeah. says he's going to be. Uh, well so, he said he would. Well, and Raskin was Yes. Seemed to be all he he entered the letter on the record. So. Yes. Now can I say this for our mm -hmm. listening audience? When people drop in on this news headline. I'm seriously thinking, what time is it on the West Coast right now? Oh my goodness, it's too early for a text message. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, no way will I send a text message, text alert out. Mm -mm. What I do need everybody to do is I need you guys mashing that rumble button. This is the most dangerous, the most important broadcast that I will do. And everyone this mm -hmm. time around, like the last time when I mentioned stuff, well, people are like, wow. You know, they were mm -hmm. wowing yesterday, right in the middle of the Biden gate um, congressional testimony. I realized a couple things. A, the whistleblowers that have come forward mm -hmm. uh, are forcing this information out. B, uh, thank God everybody in Congress is a bunch of freaking boberts. I'm sorry, I'm not picking on Lauren Boebert, mm -hmm. but they're they're literally just a bunch of theatrical chimps, okay? Because uh, imagine, uh, Deb Jordan, if I were in Congress and we were sitting there going after Joe Biden, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking about money flowing and stuff like that in Burisma. Yeah. Do you think that if I were sitting in that seat and I'm grilling people and I started bringing witnesses forward and they mentioned Lev Parnas, what would have happened at, at that moment? Because you know what's coming, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what's the difference between me as an organ grinder monkey here working for our audience and Congress people? 
that are working for their constituents. What's the difference? I don't lie. That's the difference. Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's, I I didn't expect you to say that. There's a much, there's, there's much a difference, right? They lie and they sit in a seat of power and that's pretty scary. Well, they they get their, they get their power and maintain their power Mm -hmm. by accomplishing nothing. And lying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and making Fox News clips like uh, Jim Jordan does. Mm. That's all they do. It's mm-hmm. for fundraising. I mean, uh, anything that you see up front. That 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 hearing, okay, if it were President Trump, mm-hmm. they would have it on all three networks for 12 hours straight. They would oh, have yeah. had it, right? Oh, if it were sure. President Trump, they would have had the mainstream media. But mm-hmm. guess what? They did a study uh, and determined that Three percent of all journalists are conservative. Three percent. Ninety-seven percent of the entire mainstream media mm-hmm. is leftist. Do you think they want to hear about what I'm going to present today? Oh hell no! This is the biggest story yeah. I've ever covered. Mm-hmm. What I'm about to cover, and yes, there is a teaser here because I need you guys pushing that rumble button. I need your support. Uh, if you guys love the work that I'm going to be doing today, I need your support. Why? Because I need a freaking war chest so I can get a new steel door. How about that? Mm-hmm. All right. It'll make it more difficult when they do the breach. Right? Right. I need that. I need to build up a war chest. I- I'm not going to impress you by picking up the phone. and call- I could literally pick up the phone right now and call Congress people. I'm not going to, you know why? Because A, they're idiots for not knowing what I know. It's all mm-hmm. right there in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're a bunch of idiots. They're, they're, they're infiltrated by the CIA. Um, I want, if you have access to Twitter, you need everybody right now in the threads, uh, uh, Angie, Karen, uh, Deb Jordan. I want Lev Parnas to tune in, you know why? I reached out to him recently and I said, Hey, we got to get together. Right. I said, you know, some stuff. Oh yes, we will. Guess what? I never heard back from him. I wonder mm-hmm. why. Now we hear that Lev Parnas, who's Lev Parnas. You wonder, wait till you hear who Lev Parnas is and how I'm connected to him and how it all relates to Joe Biden being on the freaking take, breaking the law out of Ukraine with Viktor Pinchuk, the Ukrainian oligarch. Okay? Mm-hmm. They all were. They are all on the... I'm talking... Listen, I have IMF memorandums of understanding, mm-hmm. authorizing Interpipe and doing all this stuff in the money fund. I have it, everything documented. I think it's shocking that mm-hmm. uh, the, the conservative... On the conservative aisle... Your voice is so far down because you're trailing off. Sorry. I think it's interesting. Don't let me yell at you. Yeah, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that uh, nobody on, you know, on the conservative side of this thing mm. are even mentioning Hillary Clinton, her role in all of this, right? And when they start, when they start introducing evidence that is given to them by Lev Parnas. I mean, Jamie Raskin, I guess you're going to play what he said yesterday, but. 
when he I starts am. As saying, soon as we come back from this interview, I don't even think we'll be able to get all the way through the interview. All right. I want you to hear mm-hmm. the Reiner Fulmick thing. We're going to have it uploaded. I can't play the whole thing because I got too much stuff going on. Right. Bill Logan's going to come. But out. don't you think it's don't you think it's wild that Jamie Raskin in his whole spiel about Lev Parnish yesterday talked about how he was, uh, you know, charged. He was he was a criminal and all of this stuff, this terrible stuff that he said about him. But we're going to use him as a witness, right? And we're going to take seriously this letter that he obviously wrote to to the Democrats, telling them that he'd be willing to he, well, actually testify in that, in that in that letter. Okay, he lied to Congress. Sure, and I have proof of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now let me tell you who he is. He's a Ukrainian spy. How do I know this? You'll find out. This is the biggest story that I covered before, and Vandersteel and I covered it. Mm-hmm. All right, you did. We had millions, millions. We did a live broadcast. We put it out. Millions of people came to the story way mm-hmm. back when. Well, guess yeah. what? Everyone's like, oh, well, Joe Biden wasn't the president. Okay. Now I have documented proof that the subject, uh, the, 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 the subject regarding Victor Pinchuk, Victor Pinchuk donated $40,000 per month to Joe Biden and helped put him in. Joe mm-hmm. Biden was involved with Victor Pinchuk, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama out of the Ukraine and the CIA. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do today is prosecute the Central Intelligence Agency and their asset named Joe Biden, who's been compromised in the United States of America. If you've not tuned in to the hearings that have been going on in Congress, then you need to be so outraged right now at the mainstream media because it should be the, I mean, I don't know what people are talking about in the chat. I mean, Lord knows. I mean, the mob, their brain gets fed stuff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not berating the mob. When I say mob, I say that affectionately. You're being given stuff and you're off the rails. There should be nothing being discussed. Like it should be top of mind. You know when people latch onto a story? Bam, they're on it, right? Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. in the threads and that's what they're talking about. Um, if I look at the Rumble thread right now, is everyone talking about the bombshell revelations that uh, took place in Congress? No. They're not. And you should be so upset by that. If you don't know every single detail out of those hearings, because you know what, folks, they're now presenting a case. Man, this is this is beyond an impeachable offense. I mm-hmm. mean, we have we have literally a national security disaster known as the Biden wrecking ball in the White House. Our nation has been captured at the top end. Joe, and that's Joe Biden. Forget about the stolen election. Okay, let's Mm -hmm. say he was voted in legitimately. Guess what everybody voted in? I want 81 million people. This is what I want to do uh, because we're not going to do it. We're not going to bring any harm to Joe Biden, right? I want the 81 million people that voted for Joe Biden to go in there and grab him by the freaking scruff of his neck and throw his face in the pavement on the front porch. You should do that. You should be very upset, especially after I get done with Joe Biden today. Because it's going to be evidence, right? I'm going to be presenting to 81 million people that voted for that guy. 
and you're going to see that he's been involved in one of the biggest crimes right under everybody's noses. And anybody that gets involved, Rudy Giuliani, he's one, right? Mm-hmm. Congressman Steve Stockman, he's another. When I go and search for this information on the contracts that are at the Department of Treasury, the stuff I'm going to be showing you guys, you're gonna, you guys are like, what? What are you talking about? I, Congressman Steve Stockman had it all documented. He did. It's in the government. It's in the Department of Treasury. What did they do to him? Oh, they got him on a campaign finance violation right before he was about to leave for Ukraine. Mm -hmm. to go investigate the coup d'etat. Yeah, he was really, Steve Stockman was really going after Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He was exposing her. And Biden was right there, right beside it. I mean, I have proof of that, except Biden was kind of an afterthought. Why was he an afterthought then? Because really, you, you would think that Biden's involvement in what I'm going to present today, mm -hmm. that he's the vice president, you know, but it's Hillary Clinton running the show, all right? Well, he's now the president, and he became the president because of Victor Pinchuk. So all the help that was given, you know, to Victor Pinchuk, who's Victor Pinchuk? He's a Ukrainian oligarch. And what does he do? He makes highly specialized steel. Mm -hmm. And guess what they did with the highly specialized steel, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to give you a peek under the tent, and this is what I'm going to present, and it's factually backed up. I have that contract numbers. I literally have, through the Department of Treasury, they tracked the money through Interpipe. It was approved by Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton. Mm. And Joe Biden became the president and received money from Victor Pinchuk. They were delivering steel for centrifuges in Iran. When I say that this is the most dangerous story that I've ever covered, I'm not joking. Am I afraid? Absolutely not. I say dangerous as in, you know, I don't, Deb, she, she might be MK altered and put cyanide in my soup, mm. you know, right? Mm. You never know. So I'm going to present a case. Uh, I'm not contacting Congress. I don't want anybody to contact Congress. Because they are infiltrated by the by the CIA. I'm, I'm sure they've got... CIA has people on the phones. Hi, who would you like to speak with? Oh, Congressman Raskin. Yeah, let me transfer you. Uh, you know. It, Congress has been captured. Because Congress couldn't respond to the Lev Parnas letter, they all need to be thrown out of, uh, out of office. Okay? That's how upset I am. So my love... My loyalty, my dedication, and my willingness. Deb Jordan, I'm going to get you off screen because I don't want you to be associated with what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yep. Because uh, I, I, quite honestly, um, I didn't, you know, I never spoke to Mr. Parnas or... I did. Yeah. Yes. And you knew that. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of this stuff is 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 new to me, too. Yes. Right. So, so this is this is what I'm going to say. Right now, I'm going to, and, and we made a decision early on. What Deb and I, we have discussions as to what we're going to bring to air and what we're not. Okay. The decision was made for me to come to work today to present to you as a matter of high public interest. 
that, that you should not be focused on, you know, the Fox News clips coming out of Congress because they didn't discuss the most important thing. And they should have, Deb. Do you agree? Right. Right. What do you mean, right? Did I already lose you? All right. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, I have to take care of some stuff to shore us up. You're not going to, you're not going to go away. Do not go away. It's the biggest story. It's the most dangerous story. And I have absolute, I'm talking proof that Joe Biden has a CIA friend named Lev Parnas, okay? Who had infiltrated Rudy Giuliani's camp who has all of the data that I'm going to present in this show, and he withheld it. And then he submitted a letter. What did he do? He bashed Rudy Giuliani. He turned on President Trump because he's a little freaking everybody send a message out to Lev Parnas on Twitter. Tell him I'm coming after that guy with the truth. He better hide. Okay. Ukrainian spies should not for what he's doing in our country. And that letter that he submitted, after I present what I'm gonna to present to you, that that man had national security level information that had been filed with the Department of Treasury. And what did he do? He sat on it and he sabotaged Rudy Giuliani. And they got him off the street within days after I was talking to him. And they put him, they called it an indictment. I call it protective custody. They had a FISA warrant on Lev Parnas because he's a Ukrainian and he's dealing with the Ukrainians. They've been listening. The FBI and the CIA were listening to the conversations that I was having with Lev Parnas. And what was I doing with Lev Parnas? Trying to get to Rudy Giuliani and President Trump. We're talking like uh, that's a third level out, okay, from President Trump. Rudy Giuliani was President Trump's counsel. I delivered information related to national security through Lev Parnas, and it's confirmed. And what happened to that information? It was withheld from President Trump? Maybe. Or maybe President Trump knew that Congressman Steve Stockman was a good guy, and that's why he commuted his sentence. Steve Stockman, Congressman Steve Stockman, walked out the door, and President Trump has to know why. And we're going to prosecute Joe Biden in the court of public opinion. And Lev Parnas is going to get the virtual equivalent of a public freaking hanging. The virtual equivalent. But for right now, uh, I'm just going to I'm going to play an excerpt. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it all the way through. Not going to be able to make it all the way through. Listen to this important story. What does it have to do with? Remember, Reiner Fulmeck, the guy that got us closest to Nuremberg trials, kidnapped. The Airline Pilots Association that was advocating for them, U.S. Freedom Flyers, sabotaged, taken out by operatives. And an attorney who is God sent. I was shocked at how well we got along. 
Was that, sh- were you shocked, Deb Jordan? Yeah. It was yeah. shocking to me. Yep. She's a God-centered soul. She is. This is an important interview, and we're going to that right now. And when I return, you guys better be telling me that you've mashed that rumble button. I don't want to see thousands of people in there and 200 mashing the rumble button. Why? Because you know what? If I'm going to put my ass on the line for you guys, do me a favor, lift your finger and push that rumble button. Will you do that for me? It's the least you could do hiding behind your computer, right? And I don't mean that in a negative way. Imagine what I'm about to do is the most dangerous thing I have ever done since we've been doing this since 2011. And I'm talking, I've had red dots on my forehead. That wasn't as dangerous as what I'm about to do. So everybody stay right there. Ladies and gentlemen, Anna Gardner, great American hero, friend of Tom Renz, colleague of Reiner Fulmeck, and now tip of the spear fighting on behalf of all of our pilots who've been left stranded by Leslie Manukian is her name. And the failures of an attorney general, Raul Labrador, in Idaho. Sad but true. Everybody stay right there. Don't go away. Contact Lev Parnas on Twitter. Tell him to get over here and learn about his fate in the public realm, in the court of public opinion. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, Chief Scientific Officer of The Wellness Company. And I want everyone to go to twc.health forward slash Pete, like my first name, Pete. Uh, but this is actually for Pete Santilli. And I can tell you, it's very important that you pick up a COVID kit, which is the wellness company's offering. So you're prepared, giving you all the drugs to manage all the variants of COVID, including a budesonide nebulized device, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, all the necessary medications. Never get burned again with a case of COVID-19. Can't get a hold of the doctor or the pharmacist, won't prescribe the medications. And then to be extra prepared, get a family kit, the wellness company emergency kit. That's the blue kit. That has a complete formulary to defend you against anything that comes down the line, including the Chinese pneumonia, bladder infection, bronchitis, yeast infection, anthrax. You'll be fully covered, a full uh, formulary for you to have at home. And any questions on this, the kits include a um, a telemedicine consultation and a home guide so you know what you're doing with the drugs. You're going to take control of your own destiny. Uh, TWC.health forward slash Pete. The COVID kit and the emergency medical kit offered by the wellness company. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. See you soon. I don't want to over sensationalize, but I saw him coming as close as you could get to what everybody wants is a Nuremberg styled uh, proceeding. Reiner Fulmick got to the point to where he had a grand jury convened and essentially collecting enough evidence to indict those that are responsible for the crimes against humanity, correct? And it was an enactment, meaning there was no uh, official government backing that we had for that. This was this was done privately by the attorneys who had been instrumental in their own countries Mm -hmm. with bringing these types of lawsuits. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was lots of experts that were just excellent. Now he's taken back to Germany and charged. He's been incarcerated since October without due process. Why would they hold him? Is he a danger to society? Yes. Without bail. It's it's looking a lot like a January sixth kind of uh, uh, you know deprivation of, of the right to be free. Uh, it's also the we can when we look at the charges, they're changing. So what they now are is something that Reiner said a few years ago that they have interpreted as anti-Semitic. Um, it, it's not even about what the pretense was that they originally brought him to Germany for. So um, it's, it's clear that, that he is being held as a political prisoner. You know, just prior to bringing on my next guest, we're having a, a conversation. I hope we continue to have the conversation. Um, it's the first time uh, that I've spoken with Anna uh, Garner. She's been an attorney. She was licensed in New Mexico. Uh, she's a refugee of New Mexico. And, and anybody in New Mexico that has that governor, who I know, by the way, personally, would I would definitely leave for Florida. But... Uh, she's been there for, she was there for decades, litigating in state and federal courts, guided by faith in God and love of freedom. Uh, she was called into litigating against illegal COVID mandates when she was planning to retire from a long career in law. Um, after filing a case in federal court against the governor and health secretary in New Mexico in uh, December 2020, she filed the first lawsuit in the world challenging the shot mandates in a case against the county of Donna Anna, uh, New Mexico, on behalf of first responders. So uh, Ms. Gardner uh, is honored to be representing U.S. Freedom Flyers as their general counsel in their current case to obtain donations made to them and to help with their future litigation. Now, I welcome you uh, for the first time. Uh, I think I expressed uh, you know, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, I have a dog in this fight because my advocacy, um, you know, my, uh, my viewers, we've been doing this since 2011. People know, Hey folks, we want to, we want to help out the pilots through this organization. We do some due diligence. Um, Josh Yoder, great guy. Uh, the whistleblowers that had come forward, he, he handled them very well. So, um, when I say, Hey, let's support this organization. And then things happen to that organization very powerfully. I would say there's some very powerful forces uh, that want to make sure that Josh Yoder and his organization don't succeed. There's there's labor unions, there's major corporations. So we've been in this fight and we're not going to stop fighting, right, Anna? That's absolutely right. And I'm very honored to be on your show, Pete. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. But you, right. there's no other nonprofit in the United States that's like U.S. Freedom Flyers. Mm. You know, they've got they've got the interest of the pilots, the cabin attendants, the mechanics, everybody who's involved in aviation and travel. And and I heard on your earlier shows, too, that you really encourage people to see this as a much bigger uh, plan than just for pilots. It's they're pushing back on mandates for vaccine passports, because if they if the government is able to 
require the pilots and the cabin attendants to all get injected. I will not say vaccinated because it's not a vaccination, but if they can require them to get injected, the next thing is all of us as passengers are going to have to be injected if we want to exercise our freedom to travel across state lines. So they're fighting for us, not just the, the industry itself. They're fighting for all of us who love to fly and travel and need to fly and travel to see family in other states. You know, if, so, if you don't mind, because uh, believe it or not, uh, how it happened, um, you know, with us in independent media, I was just so starved for information early on. And I recognized that it was a potential bioweapon. So I was concerned. I was all about two weeks to flatten a curve. I said, okay, well, if a bioweapon's released, uh, we have to take some, some steps to mitigate the potential. Uh, for the spread two weeks to flatten a curve is okay and then it went three four and then i just saw everybody just falling into the realm and the run i said well hold on a second something's not right here but guess what we came into contact with great doctors great attorneys that there was no such thing as you know health freedom you know attorneys per se in that realm of uh protecting against mandates mask mandates and and incarceration and hospitals and blocking out. I mean, I literally met attorneys that were fighting to get the family members to be with their family members. And the patient uh, was, was, you know, not in uh, the current capacity to making uh, certain decisions. And they're being injected with drugs that they wouldn't normally consent to without the family there. That posed a huge problem. So we've been in this realm uh, fighting for our health freedom for years now. Uh, and now here we come into contact with you. You've been in this fight just as long, right? You started out er early on, correct? Well, I've been a medical malpractice attorney for a long time. And oh, for wow. decades, I've represented people who were injured by uh, either car accidents, medical malpractice, uh, some FDA litigation. So I'm pretty familiar with representing the individual against large institutions like hospitals and insurance companies. Uh, but I had not ever, you know, we, we're all in uncharted waters right now oh, yeah. we have not seen our liberties and freedoms taken away to the extent that they have been since 2020 march of 2020 and the more we research what happened uh with all of this we know that it was a concerted worldwide effort i have friends in europe and in uh south um Central America, and I communicated with them when this was all going on, and I found out that everybody was doing this lockstep response, mm -hmm. and and it didn't take very long for me to figure out that this was had to be orchestrated for a long time because you can't just all of a sudden say we've got two weeks to flatten the curve and everybody in the whole world is doing it pretty much except for maybe a couple of countries. So it, it's crazy. And the other thing that's crazy is that countries were declaring uh, health emergencies before there were even many cases at all. Panama was waiting for their first case. I have friends in, in Panama that I was communicating with, and they were just waiting for their first case so that they could declare uh, this national 
health emergency and start imposing uh, curfews. And uh, that didn't go over very well with all of the European expats who like to dine very late and were and found out that they couldn't have their friends over past, I think it was about six o'clock, everybody had to go home. And so it, it, it's kind of, it's crazy how it happened. And anyone who has curiosity and is informed would have seen that this was a concerted effort. So New Mexico was the same way. I mean, it didn't take very long at all for us to find out that, oh, the kids were sent home during spring break with computers and told they wouldn't be going back to school. Hmm. How Have did that you, happen? Uh, by the way, before I show you this, I don't want to spin off on a political discussion. I just want you to know right up front that in no way, shape or form would I ever, ever align with or vote for or forgive Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for what he did in the environmental movement. And his, and you may understand the term, sue and settle and the damage that caused the manufacturing, all that stuff. He did great work, but his work with the environmental um, environmentalists, that, that lobby and working with the government and sue and settling, oh my goodness, it did such tremendous damage. But this book right here, unbelievable. Have you ever read this book? haven't. I've heard a lot about it and I've uh, read excerpts of it and seen uh, people being interviewed of it. Anna, uh, I'm telling pretty you. Horrible. Yeah, pretty well, horrible. Well, listen, we're all busy, thing. super busy, right? And mm -hmm. he said something was very impactful. He said, if you get the book, he said, this is what I want you to do. Everyone's busy. He said, I want you to go to chapter 12 and it's titled Germ Games. This thing is so well cited and sourced. An unbelievable book. He did great work. Now, uh, here's where I'm going with this. Um, and you've worked with some of the top, the foremost experts early on that started to develop enough prima facie evidence of a criminal conspiracy from event 201 uh, all the way to deployment of the jab itself, which I found out from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It wasn't even developed by the big pharma companies. It was developed by DOD contractors and then private labeled. Ay, ay, ay. Reiner Fulmick was out there. He's done some of the most valuable, you know, as a matter of public interest, probably saved a lot of lives, his leadership efforts in that regard worldwide. You've with worked with Reiner Fulmick, yes. correct? Mm -hmm. Have you worked I with worked him? I've worked with Reiner. Yes. You He's did. a good friend of mine. He is a good friend of yours. Um, yes. I heard, and please pardon me for just so much stuff. It's like drinking you know, from uh, a tsunami with a straw, the amount of information we have coming at us. I didn't know that Reiner Fulmick was incarcerated. I didn't know that. And he was back in October of last year? October 13th, Friday the 13th, he was arrested by some German thugs who were sent by the state of Germany to take him from the German, uh, German embassy in Mexico where uh, Reiner and his wife Inca were there getting their um, new passports because theirs had been misplaced or lost. Ah. I think in retrospect, they were stolen. Mm -hmm. So and it required them to go to the German embassy. So there was a lawsuit going on, a civil lawsuit going on in Germany uh, by some former law partners of Reiner's. And there's no way that this makes any sense that the Germans would expend that much money, the German country, state, government, would spend that much money to get 
I think there were six men who corralled, uh, kidnapped Reiner from the German embassy and uh, guided him into a plane that was headed for Frankfurt. So My he got goodness. arrested so and that's he without, uh, released. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's shocking to me because uh, that's like a rendition program, intelligence service rendition program. So uh, from the Mexican embassy, so Mexico didn't consent to that? Mexico, obviously, it doesn't have an extradition treaty, so it did not consent. What it did, though, is somehow uh, leaked the information that Reiner and his wife would be there. And that's how they knew where he was. And they took him by force. My goodness. Wow. Wow. Okay, now, for those that don't know, like you and I, how important Reiner Fulmick was in awakening a large portion of our population that chose to be. Uh, just to give a brief, if you don't mind, um, a, a, a brief as to how powerful he was in, in forming alliances with individuals that are all researching and, and informing the public, if you could. Reiner uh, partnered with Vivian Fisher, who is a German attorney. And they interviewed experts all over the world. And there was, this was called um, the Corona Investigative Committee. Uh, Reiner was instrumental in bringing together uh, a group of international attorneys. I was one of them. And there was a, an attorney from South Africa, Dexter Reinfeldt, uh, an attorney from France, Virginie Arujo. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name very well. Uh, we had uh, Australian attorneys. Uh, initially, we had attorneys from Italy, England. Um, I'm trying to think of where else, but there were there were from all over. Oh, Canada, mm. um, New Zealand. So we had we had quite an assortment of attorneys working with Reiner to bring this to the forefront of the public's knowledge. Mm -hmm. And what what developed out of that uh, collaboration with the international attorneys and Reiner was the grand jury enactment yes. and we modeled we modeled that uh on it was based on crimes against humanity which we all knew at that time were happening uh, but we did it as a as a american grand jury enactment because that doesn't require the presence of the accused nor their attorneys so we were able to um, had this format that was uh, similar to a criminal indictment proceeding in American jurisprudence. Uh, we interviewed many experts from all over the world, uh, and uh, it was it was quite a labor of love for all of us. Nobody was being paid for this. We all did it out of our uh, concern for our freedoms and uh, knowledge that we had gained in researching all of this and with the lawsuits that we had brought. So Reiner, we had a million a million viewers watch that. It was yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. It's still up. Would you? Brand-jury.net. I don't want to over sensationalize, but I saw him coming as close as you could get to what everybody wants is a Nuremberg styled uh, proceeding. Reiner Fulmick got to the point to where he had a grand jury convened and essentially collecting enough evidence to indict those that are responsible for the crimes against humanity, correct? 
So it was an enactment, meaning there was no uh, official government backing that right. we had for right. that. This was this was done privately by the attorneys who had been instrumental in their own countries mm -hmm. with bringing these types of lawsuits. Now, um, but now we he had was, lots of experts that were just excellent. Now he's taken back to Germany and charged. He's been incarcerated since October without due process. Why would they hold him? Is he a without danger bail. to society? Yes. Without bail. It's, it's looking a lot like a January 6th kind of, uh, uh, you know, deprivation of, of the right to be free. Uh, it's also the, we can, when we look at the charges, they're changing. So what they now are is something that Reiner said a few years ago that they have interpreted as anti-Semitic. Um, it, it's not even about what the pretense was that they originally brought him to Germany for. So um, it's it's clear that, that he is being held as a political prisoner. Yes. Wow. Okay. So if we could, just a, a side note, I want to do whatever I can to bring full public awareness to that. Um, we, we have to rally for the man whose leadership, I believe, literally saved lives just with the information that was being put out. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. And yes. the international attorneys are uh, gathering together to show our unwavering support for Reiner. So we are um, taking steps right now. Um, there have been various steps. Some people have contacted the embassies, German embassies of their respective countries. Mm -hmm. um, but so far, those have, uh, petitions have fallen on deaf ears. Okay, so the amount of work that was done by this consortium, all right, the attorneys such as yourself, uh, that information is still out there in the, we'll say, the cloud. Uh, so they didn't confiscate his body of work. It wasn't in his, on a thumb drive, uh, I assume, correct? So, so they want to silence him, but they can't stop the truth from getting out. Do you agree? It's already out there. Yeah. I mean, wow. So you got it out there. So they, want, out there. so they wanted their pound of flesh. Apparently so. Wow. Okay. So here you, you know, are. You're considered a dissident in Germany, and Germany doesn't take very kindly to someone who's bucking the government narrative. A little bit like the U.S. A lot of it. Yeah. We well, we've we've become. Well, anyways, that's a separate discussion. I won't talk about what we've become uh, because, you know, uh, just like you said, that the, the narrative, the talking points, th this this whole, if you don't mind me saying so, I just don't want to impress you. Uh, I listened very closely to a Averill Haynes from the CIA sitting next to George Gao, uh, the CCP's equivalent of the CDC, both of them sitting down weeks after the Wuhan lab leak, talking about a tabletop exercise of how are we going to contain information, disinformation about a lab leak. And I said, okay, that's interesting. We didn't know how to spell COVID at the time. And here they were already trying to control and manipulate the narrative with very influential people in the room. You know, that was the beginning of something, I believe, to be criminal. 
But it was Event 201. Event 201. Right? That's right. I was right. just going to say. And then they did another tabletop planning exercise, it, not this last October, but the October before, mm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, called Catastrophic Contagion, where they're doing the same kind of uh, foreshadowing of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Only this time it's supposed to uh, wreak havoc more on young people. So they've got their... They've got their ways of telling us and broadcasting what yeah. they're planning to do. Yep. Now, this uh, totalitarian control that comes shortly after they uh, they deploy um, by accident or or on purpose. You don't want to let a good crisis go to the way, go to waste, as they say, right? Um, but but I believe that this was a vehicle. You even hear Klaus Schwab saying, this is a good opportunity to enslave up, you know, uh, humanity. Oh, my goodness. Um, but this was the vehicle in order to be able to nudge us incrementally in the direction where they want us to go, correct? These globalists that want centralized control and power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all part of a bigger picture, everything, whether it's, uh, you know, forcing the pilots to get injections of poison into them, yes. uh, creating social distancing, distancing, mm. masking, uh, all of these things are part of the control that they're exercising over us mm. to the point where they want to see how far we will capitulate yeah. and, and how many people will actually say, okay, you know, I'll roll up my sleeve and get your poison uh, yeah. and, and help you make another billion dollars. Well, unfortunately for us, more people acquiesced than they even predicted would happen. So they had greater compliance than they even predicted. Mm. And that just tells you how misled people can be, how how mm. easily misled that they can be. Yes. All right. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to use the two circumstances in parallel because the establishment behind this conspiracy um, to suppress information, whether it was intentional or accidental, that's secondary to, you know, what do they say? The, the cover up is typically bigger than the crime itself. The cover up of, of information, right? But but I'm going to say that uh, Reiner Fulmick and the amount of information that he brought to the public and then obviously the pilots... Josh Yoder was early on. He had whistleblowers coming forward. There were issues and concerns with the health of the pilots. And we're not just talking about a group of, you know, or a certain demographic. We're talking about people that have our lives in their hands. Their health is extremely important. There was a mechanism by which the health of the pilot has to be regularly checked on an annual basis with with um uh, uh with, with um you know with with, with um uh, medical uh, certifications they have to be certified the FAA medical exam the yes. FAA medical exams annually right. well right uh, there are concerns about uh, there's concerns obviously well documented as to the side effects when you take in the jab is it going to happen to every single pilot if it happens to one and it causes a mass casualty event I think that that was the core concern of every single pilot. Um, and then pilots were suffering um, uh, illnesses on approach, so many near misses. So U.S. Freedom Flyers, you know, there's 
Reiner Fulmeck, and then Josh Yoder and what U.S. Freedom Flyer, Flyers and the whistleblowers that were coming forward, internal FAA whistleblowers that were saying that our government was turning a blind eye to it. Josh Yoder and U.S. Freedom Flyers was tip of the spear uh, regarding uh, pilot safety and airline safety, correct? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So they had His to shut down. Although it's it's been uh, attempted to be halted, it is not. It's alive and well, and we've got a lot of plans uh, for the future moving forward. Yes. Now, this is what I'm going to say as a matter of public interest, and I said before we came on, I'm very passionate about this because my listening audience realized how important it was to help support Josh Yoder and U.S. Freedom Flyers and the pilots, and we had the whistleblowers on that were giving us very valuable information. So they were supporting Josh. It's we the people pulling us up by the bootstraps. We're fending for ourselves, fighting for our lives and health freedom um, here on the outside. And what did they do? They took down Reiner Fulmick, whisked him off. Um, they, I believe, could be reversed, prove me otherwise that the whoever took the money and basically disarmed U.S. Freedom Flyers obviously had probably the same intentions as the people that took Reiner Fulmeck to stop the free flow of information. Correct? You know, I ha I can't go come to any other conclusion other than there was a deliberate takedown uh, of them. It, it, you know, I look at this whole scenario and go, Leslie Manukian has represented that she was a freedom fighter. Mm. I consider her a friend and a fellow, you know, freedom warrior uh, at one point. She was peripherally involved with the uh, grand jury enactment that we did. Um, I've known her in this fight for the last few years, and I was shocked that she would either be, I thought at first, swayed by unethical attorneys or, uh, you know, had planned this from the very beginning that she would not ever intend to return any of the uh, surplus donations once their their job was finished. But Wait, whatever man. happened, she lost her moral compass because I, if she had one to begin with, but she's lost her moral compass. You said unethical, uh, and I'm going to say, at my, in my opinion, that I express is pretty well informed. Um, very influential attorneys as well and i and i saw that dynamic working behind the scenes so wh whether she was uh, a pawn in this thing th there was incentive for the establishment because of uh, i mean we're talking very powerful corporations the airline industries are huge there's large numbers of of unions um there's been that battle there like southwest airline they were in, in a battle themselves, and I, I knew an attorney was helping work through through that. We're talking about very powerful forces on both sides, on the labor side as well as the corporate side. Um, so the pilots are caught in the middle of this thing. What are they? You know, what are they going to say? Uh, I'm concerned about my health. You know, they're taking cardio miracle. They're 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 getting you know uh, uh, more frequent checkups, but they pretty much had to fend for themselves. It's not like they can just destroy their career and start, you know, somewhere else after investing an entire career on their very highly skilled profession, correct? Right. I mean, it was the same choice that the doctors and the nurses yes. had. It's a Faustian choice. Mm -hmm. Either take this poison, this, you know, experimental 
product that's only allowed to be marketed under an emergency use authorization. And, and you should be able to say no to that. But unfortunately, everything got twisted and hidden from the public and they didn't know what their rights were. But I mean, the insert, the package insert into these shots was blank. I had a person who was giving the shots and I said, get me the package insert, please. I want to see it. I want to see what it says. It's blank. And uh, other other medical people have shown that on, you know, taking a, a box that hadn't been opened and oh, showing yeah. that it was blank, taking it, taking it right out of the box and showing it on camera. Oh, yeah. They had nothing on the patient insert, nothing. And then uh, these uh, fake, you know, government regulatory bodies approving a quote unquote a vax and it was called comernity i think it was and i actually when that was announced i went down to the walgreens drive through and said i'd like to get my comernity you know approved by the fd they're like oh we don't have that i'm like what do you mean you don't have that oh it doesn't exist it hasn't been brought to market yet but he has it Nobody it's a bait and it. switch. Yes, it's a it bait is. and switch. Right. And they Two. did it so that, that judges would have some kind of plausible deniability in making teenage boys get it. Uh, you know, when one of the parents in a divorce action wanted their teenage boys to get inoculated and the doctors are the pediatricians are saying, oh yeah, it's an approved drug. It's the same thing as Comirnaty and it's a, and that's a, that's approved, you know. It was such crap really mm -hmm. i mean it was just such crap and this was intended and, and the giving to children to me is the biggest crime of all and i've been involved in a lawsuit with that one too now you uh were you in retirement or you started to yeah, kind of wind down and then uh all of a sudden <laughs> trying to, to retire <laughs> and, and and josh came to you and said this is this is what i have and your spidey senses were up just as you know i mean if i look at the facts and the people and i've got some involvement that i won't talk about uh, the specifics but i was really concerned because i said oh my goodness um they've literally just tried to cut off u.s freedom fighters for very very powerful reasons by very very powerful forces um but i have to say because the entity that took, I'm going to say, uh, we have a portion of our viewership that donated. They're holding their money. I don't know of one viewer right now that can tell me, sure, I'd like to donate to U.S. Freedom Flyers and have it diverted to some offshore fund or to another entity that they had no idea about. But here's the, my main concern is that the money's not being returned. Now, if you don't mind, you're an attorney, so I'll speak in these terms. If I go to a website and I say, sure, I'd like to donate to this organization and I donate $10. If that money is diverted or I was originally asked to, to donate to a, it's a non, it's a nonprofit, uh, it's a tax deductible donation as well, right? If my money is diverted, I want my $10 back. I didn't donate it originally uh, because of what you, you sold me a bill of goods said it was going to go towards U.S. Freedom Flyers and the legal expenses for these pilots when that money's diverted i call that i've been fraud. defrauded yeah thank you you've been defrauded i i don't want to speak out of turn you're the attorney that's fraud yeah. is it not it is okay so it's, it's bait and switch another bait and switch you know and uh, an unethical company 
taking advantage of a patriotic, freedom-loving organization, which has the ability to help these injured pilots and to make sure that we don't, as passengers, have to take vaccine passports, uh, you know, and, and... I hate to use the word community, but that organization that those freedom fighters, health freedom fighters, advocating for the pilots, that community includes the public because the public is supporting that effort to fight. So we're all, if you don't mind me saying so, we're all in this together. It's it's not like some organization was victimized. Right, right. Would this a high matter? If we let them continue to be uh, injected, mandated that they have to be injected or they have to wear masks, it's we've got to wear masks. I mean, I stopped flying when I heard that we had to wear masks. I wouldn't even I wouldn't go to my doctor's office. I wouldn't go to Trader Joe's. I wouldn't go anywhere that they required that I wear a mask Mm -hmm. because that is so reprehensible to me for me to be breathing in my own carbon dioxide Mm. and, you know, getting lightheaded from it. And I wouldn't go to court either. And I told them I wouldn't go to court and I would not sit next to all of the jabbed people because there was shedding and Pfizer knew about shedding. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I mean, at least I was self-employed, so I didn't, I didn't lose my career over it, but I raised heck every single time I could Mm -hmm. about every single one of these restrictions because I knew that they were illegal. There was one time I had to fly to Vegas and it was early on when the, you know, I mean, the airline industry, unbelievable. These people are like, you know, you might as well give them badges and guns. They, they, they thought they had that. And they did have that same level of authority if you resisted them. But I did one flight and on my way back, it was absolutely incredible. They were waking me up because, you know, my, you know, I had a, uh, a shirt over my head and, and the, the flight attendant was waking me up because my, my shirt had slipped. I said, this is crazy. This is, I've never, hey guys, I've never been disrespected like this before, but on my way out, when we got to Cincinnati, uh, we landed and I took my, you know, my makeshift mask down and ladies chased me down. Sir, sir, you need to put that on. And I said, no, I don't. What are you going to do? Kick me off the flight? I said, bye. And that was the last time I got on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. They've made it very difficult for us to exercise a lot of our freedoms. It had nothing to do with public safety. Of course not has to do with compliance. Yes. Let's see how many of you will be compliant little bad sheep. Yeah. And mm. and wow, our expectations were exceeded because you guys are really compliant. It, it, there was one point also I picked up the phone and during the, you know, 14 days to flatten the curve and then thereafter, and then you had to be an essential business. And I picked up the phone, I called a Planned Parenthood and I created this role play scenario where I was going to take my daughter in for an abortion. And I said, sure, come on in. I said, I can't go to the grocery store, but I can take my daughter in for an abortion. Yeah, we're an essential business. You know, or I couldn't go to XYZ store. I said, what is going on here? What is happening? Big box. You could go to a Costco and go bump and play, you know, bumper people, you know, at the Costco and you could live through that, but you couldn't go to a small pizza shop. Nothing to do with our safety. Nothing to do with it. But 
but the public health emergency works so well that they will continue to declare public health emergencies in an attempt to tighten the screws yes. and bring in usher in globalism. That's and this where, isn't just a problem in you know for the aviation industry. It's a problem for all industries and the entire world. And you know, we need to be involved in this. There's and one a, of my messages is not is peaceful noncompliance. Yes, now, for now, and it might not always be peaceful, but it is noncompliance. And, and, and that's where you know my 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 train of thought here leading up to um, the next wave of whatever it is they decide to bring. I see the WHO, first of all, an unelected body. We're surrendering our constitutional, you know, sovereignty, you know, as a nation uh, to this international unelected body, and they can declare a public health emergency of international concern. I just heard Tedro say that he wants to eliminate meat. I'm like, you know how that's pronounced? It's pronounced fake. Fake. P-H-E-I-C. Yes. Public Health Emergency of International Concern. Yes. A fake. A fake. That's right. Um, so they've got, as part of their control grid, they're, they've got sensors in the sewage wastewater system. Yes. That they control all of that. They've got all these mechanisms. My question to you is, do you see all the signs that the next time something like this happens, they are so much better organized that they're going to have 198 countries working in concert to 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 just a lockdown of the highest order. Fortunately, I think they're going to hit us where it really, really scares the bejesus out of us, and that is it will attack children. And if they if they're able to do that to target a disease so that it attacks children, I think every parent will be terrified. And even knowing that it is a plan, they're going to capitulate because yes. the the consequences are just too horrific. So I do oh think goodness. that that that's where they're going with the next uh, plan. And that's what, what catastrophic contagion predicted yes. is. Uh, Something like 15 million children die right away. Really? Yeah. Can you imagine? Take that? a look at that. It's put on by the same evildoers. Johns Hopkins, uh, World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, who else? Uh, oh, World Health Organization. So it's put on by the same, the same satanic groups mm. as Event 201 was. And you it's can't blame. I mean, is every person hearing uh, hearing our voice? You know, you could be a, a a grandparent, and you would lay your life on the line for your grandchildren. And that Absolutely. level of psychological uh, terrorism—that's that's warfare upon a populace to impact yes. the children like that. Wow. So you're saying that they're going to what? If you don't mind me asking about specifics, because I I don't know the specifics. Um, what have you heard that gives you uh, an indication that they're going to be targeting children? It's in the catastrophic contagion tabletop exercise. Okay. They have okay. a, a scenario that predicts how this particular pandemic gets started. Uh, mm. It has to do with some bat virus that gets, you know, escapes. Uh, you know, I mean... They had they had a scenario for the Wuhan 
COVID stuff as well. They yes. was, you know, started in some Chinese wet market. So take a look at that and look at the similarities as to what they did in Event 201. It's it's online. It's under Johns Hopkins uh, strategic um, strategic planning something or other website. But if you just look up catastrophic contagion, you'll find it. Wow. Wow. They haven't taken it down yet. It's still there. I mean, who's behind it? What? Uh, th- th- these are not human beings with a conscience. Who They're is behind? These are satanic conscience. These are, this is satanic influence, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. There could be no doubt about it. Um, so, Anna, um, you already know what my commitment is because it's been that way right from the very beginning. We were with Josh Yoder very early on bringing public awareness and we're not stopping now and every single person here in our voices right now we have a dog in this fight we do whether you donated to u.s freedom flyers or not um our advocacy groups that's by we the people that's our last i'm sorry should be our first line of defense is we the people coming together when they take us out like that we need to respond with an overwhelming oppositional force do we not legally of course yes absolutely and we need the support of the donors who donated and helped support u.s freedom flyers in their initial uh litigation efforts uh the the difference now is that i'm going to be heading the management of their litigation they're not going to get taken advantage of by anyone else they're not going to get overbilled and you know kind of ripped off really is what happened uh, with previous um, litigation expenses. But they're going to be well managed. They've got a board. They're a 501c3 now so that when you donate, it goes directly to US Freedom Flyers. When they were an unincorporated association, they needed the help of an experienced 501c3. And that's why they uh, did this arrangement with Health Freedom Defense Fund. There is no way that they ever expected that Health Freedom Defense Fund would convert the rest of the donations that were left to their own use. And they've done it in such an absurd way, twisting the statutes, twisting the donor intent. Uh, it's it's all been quite, uh, I would say, deceptive the way that they brought the allegations in this lawsuit. And uh, I'm just praying that our judge is smart enough to see through all of this chicanery, because that's what it is. I would consider myself an interested party, uh, an advocate, as as I always have been. I was, by the way, before I got into, you know, media in 2011, I was actually an independent consumer advocate. Uh, In fact, I was, um, have you ever known of a, uh, an, a non-attorney or unlicensed attorney that was certified by four different bankruptcy courts to go in and represent clients in bankruptcy proceedings. That's oh. it because because the the banks they were you know taking homes. I mean it was just you know that was in the subprime mortgage uh, meltdown in Southern California it was out of control. But I would dig into it and through the bankruptcy proceeding, I you know I call for all the documents, do forensic audits and stuff. So. I was an advocate then. I haven't stopped. So here's my question to you. Uh, you know, I don't want to rely upon, uh, you know, my broadcast 
to capture every single person. It could have been over time. People come and go, or maybe they don't tune in, or maybe they're not aware. Uh, I do I not have an interest, and we can, you don't have to answer it now, but I want to let you know. I want to approach them. I want to do this legally and appropriately, non threat in a non-threatening fashion, on behalf of my viewers, and send a letter saying you have an obligation. Send out a letter and say. Did you find out about this on the Pete Tantilly show? And do you believe that yeah, I should have gotten the money? I mean, I'm, I'm just making stuff up. But I'd like to send a demand letter. I hereby demand that you contact anyone in your database where you receive money. And if they were a listener of mine, I'm on behalf of them, I want you to contact them and ask them if they want their money back. Can I not do that? And there's nothing to stop you. For sure, and uh, you know yeah, that's, we, that's we an understatement. <laughs> Josh said to them when they when they the attorney Brant Hathaway, who was representing Health Freedom Defense Fund and U.S. Freedom Flyers in a lawsuit, decided to go to bat for Health Freedom Defense Fund when uh, HFDF was claiming that they had the right to hold on to this money, and so Brant Hathaway said. Well, if you don't stop harassing us about this, we're going to just give it back to the donors. And Josh said, do that. That's a Please. good idea. Yes. Do that. And and then they went, oh, and they started, you know, backpedaling like, oh, uh, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's actually illegal for us to do it. But, uh, it can, do you mind true. answering that question? Uh, and I've heard this before. I'm like, what, what do you mean it's illegal uh, to return the money? I, well, they say that they've given the deductions. Well, uh, so what? You know, who? how many people actually claim the deductions from their tax returns? Not everybody claims the deductions. You know, $10 here, $25 here, you may not have even claimed it. So that's, I don't think that's the big problem. The problem is they don't want to let loose of the money. Well, that opens up a, a whole new can of worms as well. Let's go with the Treasury. And oh, I, I hate to call the IRS to, you know, to weaponize them. You know, the FTC, very, very powerful. Very powerful. You know this, right? So, yeah, I mean, most as federal it, agencies nope. exceed their scope of authority. Well, this is what I discovered with uh, major corporations is the biggest overhanging threat because they're brutal. They're just, I mean, they're to the letter of the law. They have zero bias. They'll come in. The FTC, anytime uh, I had a case that could go to the FTC, boom, settled. There you go. We don't want any problems, even above and beyond, you know, the IRS and things like that. But uh, there's many different things that need to get done. And it's not to harass, you know, an opponent or an adversary. It's to advocate for we, the people. That's what this is about, right? Exactly. And, and, you, and to get the donations to the appropriate person that they were donated to, meaning U.S. Freedom Flyers. Right. So And, and reverse and the had, fraud, right? We had hundreds of pages of uh, donor complaints going to the attorney general's office in Idaho saying that they wanted their money back. The money was not intended to go to HFDF. And yet their attorneys persist in saying, of course it was intended to go through to them because the donor interface on U.S. Freedom Flyers website site had the money funneled right into HFDF's account. It never went through USFF's account because they didn't have one at the time. But that doesn't mean that it was designed, meant to benefit HFDF once that relationship terminated. 
So they, they've made ridiculous claims and they continue making ridiculous claims because they're hoping to just muddy the waters enough to be able to, uh, you know, really trick the judge into, into do, you know, letting them have it, which I don't think she's going to do. I think she's an experienced enough judge to where she will see through this. So um, I, I've, I've known too many people that were pushing for Raul Labrador politically. That's a political thing. Raul Labrador, the attorney general. Now I'm saying this. I don't care how many friends I'd lose for asking Raul Labrador, what did you do when you received these letters? Does he have a duty as an attorney general to take certain action? And can I ask him, what did you do? Did you send off a demand letter? What action did you take? And if none, then you're going to be named. We don't see any evidence that they did anything about the donors' complaints. Um, however, you know their office was engaged in ex parte communications with. Explain what that attorneys. means. I know what it means, but explain to uh, our. So audience. ex parte means that they had secret communications between their attorneys and the attorney general's office concerning wanting to get the attorney general's office to give them permission without the without the opposing without party notifying right. usff right it was only by accident that josh found out because he uh asked for a public records request and got proof that they had been engaging in multiple emails multiple letters even perhaps some personal visits um one of sally Wagonmaker's letters said oh leslie manukin's going to be up there in boise for a while she'd like to come and see you you know and uh, they arranged something i don't know if the meeting actually happened or not but it was all very friendly and very you know you know, best friend, kissy, kissy, you know, it was just almost sickening to see the letters and, and how they were kissing up. Um, but they did everything in their power to sway the attorney general's office. Once the attorney general's office started asking for uh, further documentation and then seeing and taking a reasonable position saying, well, it looks to me like their uh, assignment was valid and it looks to me like their administrative agreement was valid and uh, well, it looks like, hmm, it doesn't really look like maybe you're doing this under the right theory. And I think maybe you should just go ahead and file suit with the Idaho State Court for a declaratory judgment action. So the attorney general's office actually got wise to it, to the fact that uh, things were not as they seemed because the documents that they requested from HFDF showed that the money was intended for U.S. Freedom Flyers. So, um, you know, they, they wrote this in their email. Now, they knew this two days after the lawsuit was filed that uh, Health Freedom Defense Fund claimed that the attorney general's office affirmed the appropriateness of their retaining the funds that belong to U.S. Freedom Flyers. Well, that was not true. And the, uh, the attorney general's office wrote the judge, but didn't write the judge until it was transferred to federal court. We got it transferred to federal court. It had been filed in state court. We wanted to be in federal court. So we got it transferred to federal court. They sent a letter to the judge September 11th, but they knew as of June, I think it was 22nd, that this lawsuit had been filed and they alleged something that the attorney general's office said, 
that was not true. I hate to be so then, cynical. Then I no will. Ethics. You're an officer of the court, so you don't need to uh, weigh in. But uh, let me tell our listening audience, essentially what Anna just said was it got transferred from the back office of the mafia to the front office of the mafia. And, you know, the, and what are the fed, what's the federal courts um, uh, role in this thing? Have they been favorable to U.S. freedom? Or No, I'm sorry. The, the main victim here is the donor. OK, because that's where the power was in U.S. freedom flyers is in popular support and grassroots support. And, the, and that is the purpose of taking them out in the fashion that they did. Correct. The reason we got it transferred to federal court is because federal court gives us another opportunity to transfer it to another state and get out of Idaho. And we alleged we filed a motion for change of venue. Uh -huh. and we alleged that uh, the, the interest of justice require that we move this case. We have too many political uh, connections, not us, but the plaintiffs have too many political connections. Uh, they have um, not only connections with their attorney, uh, local counsel, who was a very large donor to Rail Labrador's campaign for attorney general, but there are also uh, oh, uh, other considerations uh, with that. Oh, the other one is they poisoned the well of the attorney general. In their complaint, they said the attorney general might need to weigh in on this, and they would if that statute that they cited actually applies, which it doesn't. But let's say wow. arguendo, you know, assuming for argument it does apply, well, the attorney general would have a right to be heard on this issue, repurposing funds to another purpose or another entity. So they've poisoned the well by having all these ex parte secret communications with the attorney general's office that we don't even know. You know, there was some kind of Zoom call and they said that they didn't record it. You know, uh, there are co communications that we can't discover now because of the duplicitous nature that they were communicating with them. Mm during this whole thing and they were trying to get them to make a decision so that they didn't have to go to court that's the whole thing that they were doing they wanted the attorney general's office to sanction their theft of this money so that they didn't go to court and have to be answerable to anybody okay and, and i'm not going to dumb down everything that you're saying here but the light has come on and i am invigorated and plus i mean i'm so glad that we've connected I think I have, um, you know, from a layman's perspective and uh, a person that has a dog in this fight on behalf of my viewers that know or don't know, I want them all to know and make a decision. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to help out however I can. Um, but, but, but I will say this for our viewing audience, essentially we, the people came together and put $5 bills in the bucket. And that was powerful because there was only one resource for these pilots to go to, as far as I knew, that was that knowledgeable about the industry or how they, you know, they needed almost whistleblower protection. And they felt confident that they could pick up the phone and call, you know, U.S. Freedom Flyers. And, and they were connected to whistleblowers. And they had people that were skilled that could take litigation to represent their interest. The pilots have been rendered you know, um, uh, powerless, the 
viewership, the, the consumer, the, the supporter has been rendered, but that's the desired effect because it's only a half a million bucks, which is a lot of money when you bring litigation um, uh, of sorts. And you got a lot of attorneys like yourself that, you know, you're not making a lot of money in the health freedom. I'm not making industry. any money. I'm you're doing not... this. I'm doing this all gratis right now. Wow. So, are you really? No, I, you are I my am. hero, Anna. Yeah, well, I looked at what was happening and I said, Josh, we have a mutual friend who introduced us and she said, have you seen this, you know, Ann Vandersteel's uh, interview of Josh? And I said, oh my goodness. And I, I looked at the um, pleadings and I, and I looked at the statutes and I decided to do a little research on my own. Mm. And I reached out to Josh. I said, you guys need help. Yeah. And, and I said, I don't want anything for it. I'm just going to help you. Wow. And let's and rally, so. let's rally together. Uh, all right. So I'll get with you offline, uh, because I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of people that may not be hearing our voices. I'm concerned about them. They're not aware. Uh, if it was $1 that they donated and it was to go to a certain place and it didn't, I want to protect them as well. So I'll get with you offline. I think I can make a contribution there. I've spoken to Leslie. I, I, I had some dealings with her that were kind of odd to begin with. We won't talk about that. I was actually pulled into becoming a board member on some organization. And I was like, oh, really? I'm, I'm just an organ grinder monkey. I'm a talk show host. You know, why, why do you want to make you Because you would have had a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of odd. So I've, I've had these dealings that were, you know, it, you know, we, we use the, uh, us godly people have pretty good instincts, don't we? We have good discernment. Good That's, discernment. That comes from the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely correct. I'm glad you said that. So Anna, you really are. I wasn't, uh, uh, just saying this because I don't say this to every one of my guests. You are a hero stepping up in this fashion. I'm going to do whatever I can. Um, and for right now, if you donated and, and you're concerned, uh, how do people get in touch with you? I want people to continue to support U.S. Freedom Flyers. And you can do that by going to their website, mm -hmm. usfreedomflyers.org. And now donations are greatly appreciated. There's still a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're going to be investigating is whether or not to do a class action because Health Freedom Defense Fund has represented to US Freedom Flyers that they had this arrangement with a lot of other organizations. So we think that this, we may not be the, the only organization they've done this to. So uh, we'd, like to, we'd like to explore um, bringing a bigger action for other donors who've been ripped off as well. So usfreedomflyers.org, go there, uh, you know, leave comments, make, uh, show your support and, you know, anything that you can donate would be greatly appreciated for them. There are cases involving uh, wrongful termination of pilots that need to be brought. There are cases dealing with um, uh, injuries that pilots have had, which uh, are cases that uh, need to be brought as well for the, for the industry. So we're, we're still alive and well. And uh, we want to we want to do accomplish the mission that they were set out to do. Outstanding. Um, again, I gave you my commitment. I'm gonna I'm gonna step up here. I, I mean, I have to. I feel uh, I feel the duty. And uh, at this point, um, uh, I may be wrong. Maybe he has.
got some sort of evidence you said that doesn't exist as far as you've seen. Shame on Raul Labrador. Shame on the Attorney General. They could be protecting the public interest. And so far, we haven't seen that he's fulfilled his, his duties to protect the public. Shame on him. It's a statutory duty, too, Statu- to protect charitable assets. Yes, yes. And he's not doing that. Okay. Anna, I'm so glad we connected. I'm really, really glad we connected. And I look forward to speaking with you offline. Thank you. I I let that play all the way through. Uh, Plus, I had to make um, some of the most important telephone calls ever uh, leading up to this segment. So our airline pilots, uh, everybody understands what the gravity was of that interview with Anna Gardner. Uh, I'll be interfacing with her. She's godly soul, don't you guys agree? She is. Okay. So how we're going to begin this segment. Uh, first of all, I want to I preface what I'm about to tell you. Um, you, got, you guys need to understand. And, you know, Deb Jordan even said, I don't know if people are going to, you know, take on to this, right? And in so many words, we just don't know if it's an eye roller for most people. And my response was, it's absolutely critical that everybody pays attention to what I'm about to present. Okay. You have to, uh, this is a national security issue. When I first presented what I'm about to present, um, When I first presented it, uh, little did we know that Joe Biden would become president. We didn't know that, but now we know. So yesterday, something happened on the floor of the hearing room uh, where the House Oversight Committee uh, was conducting the the Biden uh, impeachment hearings and something was said. Jamie Raskin on the left mentioned something. It's significant. I just want you to hear it. And that's going to be the frame of reference here. So regardless of what I was covering before, it became so significant yesterday. Um, and you're going to hear this uh, right now. I'm going to let it play through. And I want you to listen very, very closely for the name Lev Parnas. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to say this in my opinion, based on my uh, experience with him. Uh, Lev Parnas, I believe him, uh, but we can only say that he's just captured by the CIA and the FBI. Uh, and obviously, him being under a FISA warrant, being anywhere near Rudy Giuliani, everything that Rudy Giuliani was doing on behalf of President Trump was being listened to. The government has confirmed in his case that he was under a FISA warrant, meaning that everything that Rudy Giuliani was doing, this guy riding shotgun with Rudy Giuliani, the government was listening to every single word. That's how much of a scumbag. Well, this guy didn't have anything to do with it, but he has turned. He's turned on President Trump. Okay. And you're about to hear that right now. Okay. Let's, um, let me switch this. I'm going to play it. Just listen closely and wait for 
Lev Parnas. Lev Parnas is the name. All right. Mm-hmm. Dell, no. I want Acer. How about that? BMD. Oh, come on. There we go. Fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to Jamie Raskin's entire freaking spewage. All right. Leftist, communist puke. We've been captured, ladies and gentlemen. And then I'm going to tell you the path going forward as to as to how we're going to we're going to lay this out. It's pretty remarkable. All right. Give me just one second. My goodness. My goodness. Almost there. Here we go. Here we go. Jamie, the piece of crap communist Raskin. And what you're watching here is a theatrical performance by a Congress that has been deeply infiltrated. Half of these people are beholden to the Central Intelligence Agency and the FBI. Congress has been captured. Um... They should have responded immediately to what was being said here um, by Jamie Raskin. Oh, oh, come on. There we go. President Biden, but now the majority's long promised star witness turns out to be a fugitive from American justice. In now, this other guy, oh, we'll get to him. I'm not going to focus on that star witness person that is a quote unquote fugitive. No, he became a major whistleblower. And the deep state attacked him like they do President Trump, destroying him. Arms trafficker indicted on eight federal criminal felony counts and an unregistered foreign agent for China who tried to trade Chinese arms for Iranian oil. So I guess he's not going to be a witness for the majority anytime soon. Well, after the failed SARS reports, bank records, Form 1023, we can conclude that this Inspector Clouseau-style quest for something that doesn't exist has turned our committee into a theater of the absurd, an exercise in futility and embarrassment. And now we can finally definitively say why the committee's efforts have run dry time and again. Just yesterday, Mr. Chairman, you and I got a letter from Lev Parnas, the Ukrainian-born American businessman who was at Rudy Giuliani's side as his right-hand man for a year between November 2018 to October 2019 as Giuliani and then President Trump tried to smear Joe Biden before the 2020 election with the very same allegations, we're still running through the political spin cycle every week in this committee. I request unanimous consent to enter the Parnas letter into the record. Now, in this extraordinary 10-page letter, Parnas painstakingly describes the campaign orchestrated by Giuliani and Trump to, quote, dig up dirt on the Bidens and spread misinformation about them through various networks, including government officials, journalists, and Fox News personnel. After explaining this campaign to fabricate corruption charges against Biden, Parnas concludes his letter by saying, throughout all these months of work, the extensive campaigns and networking done by Trump allies and Giuliani associates, including the enormously thorough interviews and assignments that I undertook, quote, there has never been any evidence that Hunter or Joe Biden committed any crimes related to Ukrainian politics. Never during any of my communications 
with Ukrainian officials or connections to Burisma, did any of them confirm or provide concrete facts linking the Bidens to illegal activities? As Mr. Parnas concludes, there has never been any factual evidence, only conspiracy theories spread by people who knew exactly what they were doing. And then he calls on this committee to end its wild goose chase and offers to come and testify. Remember, this is Mr. Giuliani's guy. This is his interpreter and right-hand man who spent a year out there trying to cook the books against Joe Biden. And he offers to come testify. So if anyone doubts anything he's saying, let's bring him in as a witness and let's hear about that crusade that they were on to smear President Biden by promoting the same baseless conspiracy theories that this committee serves up as moldy leftovers every day. Okay, and this is what I'm going to say now. That name, when it was mentioned, I was like, whoa, hold up a second, folks. Lev Parnas now coming out. Now, remember this. He was riding shotgun because Rudy Giuliani was investigating Ukraine. He's an interpreter. He's got a lot of contacts. He's a freaking spy, whatever, whatever he is. We can't prove that, but he is. So Lev Parnas uh, was the one that fielded the telephone call from me on information that I received through somebody who was advocating for, this is a, a story and a half. He was advocating on my behalf. His name was Congressman Steve Stockman. When the Bureau of Land Management was doing bad things and rounding everybody up. And he wrote a letter and I basically con contacted uh, to find out if I could speak to Congressman Steve Stockman. And I discovered that Steve Stockman was thrown in jail. And long story short, uh, I made contact with him. He was in jail uh, because Congressman Steve Stockman uncovered the following. He had uh, intelligence assets in Ukraine that were feeding him information that in the 2016 election that these people were tasked with digging up dirt on President Trump, the Steele dossier and all that stuff. So he had those contacts. And then Congressman Steve Stockman found information that Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton had a relationship with a Ukrainian oligarch, multi-billionaire. His name is Viktor Pinchuk. Viktor Pinchuk. Never forget that name. It matters. Viktor Pinchuk, the Ukrainian, Ukrainian oligarch, owns a company called Interpipe. Huge multinational corporation. And he manufactures highly specialized steel. That that steel was sought after by uh, Iran to build centrifuges for their nuclear program. So Congressman Stockman did a trail, and I'm going to show it to you. It's well documented. Um, a trail that showed that Interpipe was selling steel in violation of Iran sanctions and was all approved by Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton. At the time when we first did the report, we were focused on Hillary Clinton violating Iran sanctions. 
But who would have ever thought that Joe Biden and his corrupt Ukrainian dealings would end up becoming president? Joe Biden was directly involved. Not only was he involved with Victor Pinchuk, Victor Pinchuk helped Joe Biden become the president of the United States by donating, just for the donations alone. We have it tracked at $40,000 per month he was given to the Biden presidential election campaign. So Victor Pinchuk, the guy that was allowed to sell steel to Iran for their nuclear program, approved by Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton. All right, so I go to get this information to President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. And the person that essentially intercepts and, and does the vetting, especially as it relates to Ukraine, was none other than Lev Parnas. I packaged everything up to give it to Rudy Giuliani. He acknowledged that he received it. I'm going to show you the documentation that he has in his possession. And I made copies of all the text messages that verified that he received it. As soon as I dished that off to Lev Parnas, within, I think, two days, Lev Parnas was indicted. He was pulled off the streets and he's stuck in, in jail. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it has anything to do with, you know, this information. Well, come to find out, the government had all that information. Why? Because Lev Parnas, as a Ukrainian, and the contacts that he had in Ukraine, was under a FISA surveillance warrant. Everything that I was saying and doing with, with Lev Parnas was collected under the FISA warrant. How do I know this? Because he went into court, and on the court record, in the transcripts, they were saying that he was under FISA surveillance. They had all this information, including my conversations with Lev Parnas, my delivery via email of the documentation from Congressman Steve Stockman that he filed all of this information that I just told you with the U.S. Department of Treasury for investigation. It is, I'm talking like forensically provable. Congressman Stockman's chief of staff got into Congressman Stockman's computer, pulled the document related to me. And why did they do that? Because Congressman Stockman was railroaded with a bogus campaign finance charge. The day that he was supposed to leave for Ukraine to shore up his investigation, not just of the steal with Viktor Pinchuk, but the Russia collusion dossier thing that the Ukrainians were involved in. Well, he was convicted of the campaign finance thing. And instead of, you know, letting him go home and await a surrender date, uh, they said, oh, we're going to put you in handcuffs. They put him in handcuffs the day before he was supposed to leave for, I think it was the day before he was supposed to leave for the Ukraine. They put him in cuffs. They stuck him in a box. Okay. Now, I ended up speaking to Congressman Steve Stockman because he was concerned about being Jeffrey Epstein, okay? Jeffrey Epstein. You know what that means, right? Mm. What? Are you saying, hmm? And here is 
a, a copy of of that audio recording with Congressman Steve Stockman. All right. It's been put out there. I'm going to play this for you so you can hear his voice in this epic call. He was actually on a burner phone, a contraband phone, smuggled in by the, you know, corrections officers. That's what they do. Um, they're corrupt. They're just as corrupt as the government employees, trust me. But anyways, it was for our benefit because Congressman Stockman was able to speak to me, thankfully. And what did I do? I got this information out um, immediately. And I mean immediately. Okay? So... I want you to listen to this right here. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with all of this information. Oh. Here it is. They put me in Oklahoma City. They put me, they pulled me out, put me in solitary, and then put a, a killer, a murderer, uh, who had been in the hole for 30 months in with me. Yes. For my safety, they said. Yes, of course. Yes. And that's They're my main concern to, right now. Yes. Well, they were trying to Epstein. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, and you're, you're laughing about that, but this is a very serious thing. Um, yeah, well, it's but, not the first time. I. You know, I'd, I'd like, uh, if you could, um, I have the recording running right now. Whatever you say, I'll get it transcribed and I'll get that message to, um, uh, to Mr. Okay. Giuliani. All right. All right, and, and, and forgive me, the names and places and things aren't going to be 100% because uh, I don't have my notes in front of me. But I was on the, uh, I traveled many times around the world uh, for, for the, uh, I was on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and actually uh, had been involved in politics for about 47 uh, years, actually 48. And I traveled, uh, to uh, different countries, to Egypt, right after the, uh, uh, and to Erie Square, I was in Egypt. Um, then I also went to uh, the Maidan, which is the central part of Kiev, or Kiev and um, got to know the revolutionaries and some of the uh, people, the government officials that helped out with the government. And I also got to be really good friends with several of the intelligent agencies. And, um, that's where uh, I learned about uh, Hillary Clinton dealing with an oligarchy, Ukraine oligarch. And I don't have the name in front of me, but I can get you the name. And uh, she helped uh, facilitate the selling of specialized steel out of a company north of Houston. It's specialized steel, dual use, and was not permitted under normal sanctions to go to Ukraine, because as I understand it, now this is from what someone told me, um, it's used in centrifuges, which makes, uh, to increase the strength of the plutonium. So uh, the other information I had was, I got to be really good friends with the Ukrainian intelligence officer at the embassy, and uh, a younger guy, not, not my age, really great guy, and he was, pretty much uh, neutral or kind of leaning towards a Republican at that time uh, for the election. But when uh, Manafort got hired on, they, um, the uh, Ukraine embassy, well, frankly, a lot of Ukraines freaked out because Manafort was seen as the one who put in the uh, 
the leadership, along with Poindesta, uh, or Poindesta, the two of them helped put in the uh, Russian puppet into the government. So they felt obligated to help um, uh, Hillary, and he went to go work for Hillary. Long story short, I mean, we, we kept meeting. Uh, we, I think it was the Mayflower we'd been at. Uh, long story short, he ended up uh, working for Hillary, and then the uh, Ukrainian government, of course, was now angry at him, and uh, and uh, so he had to flee Ukraine, and then he felt bad um, about Trump. Now, giving you background, I worked with Nancy Kaptur, and we talked with the House Appropriations, and I got <laughs> I got the um, funding. I think it was around four hundred million dollars for Ukraine, and it was lethal aid. We finally got that passed, and it was Obama who stopped the lethal aid to uh, Ukraine. It was. Um, Kind of ironic they're accusing Trump of that when, in fact, uh, Obama refused to give the lethal aid, which, which, by the way, one of the main things they wanted was these specialized missiles, which um, Trump and ironically, it was Trump that ended up allowing to have those. I can't remember. They're like harpoons or something. I can't, I can't remember, but they're excellent for killing tanks. And um, so there were... You know, after the election, Trump did that. They were like super grateful and realized what a mistake it was to uh, believe that Trump was anti-Ukraine. Uh, this election really is about 2016 and making sure that doesn't happen again in 2020. And Trump needs to emphasize that in order to avoid the errors of the future, you must look back and investigate. The Democrats had no problem investigating Russia. Why do they have a problem investigating your Ukraine? It's because their hands are very dirty with Ukraine, and they're deeply involved with a lot of the corruption in Ukraine. I learned that. But the intelligence officer that I know would probably benefit from uh, hearing from you guys. And uh, the other thing is, is Texas, this is a tangential thing, which I made sense in documents. But uh, I've been doing campaigns for a long time, and I ran in a district that had six Democrats, for every Republican, and yet I won the seat. I know Texas, and right now, um, Obama has poured in millions of dollars into Texas. In fact, he got 10 million from uh, Jeff Bezos, and the, his, uh, Obama's personal secretary is running the uh, nonprofit that's registering voters in Texas. And then the vice chair of um, Emily's List is, is running the program, which is registering voters in Texas. So it's a very concentrated effort. Their hope is that if they win Texas, of course, uh, they don't need to worry about the blue wall. The other thing is, is that uh, in order to uh, circumvent the committee, we need to overload the news cycles. So we constantly need to do things which upset the news cycles. And to that end, uh, you need to generate different news headlines, which I think if you keep that up, you'll bump off the whole impeachment uh, thing off, off because they've got such a weak argument. And if you come out with the information, which I already sent you regarding the um, 
the missiles, I mean, with the steel, that can already uh, help you if you release that information and get it into the press. That's pretty explosive. And that's it for now, and I'll try to get you more documents. Okay, I have one one question here. I'm going to extract this from the uh, from the transcript. Uh, the, the person that um, that you know that worked with the Clinton campaign, uh, do you, do you know uh, in what capacity uh, they worked with uh, the Clinton campaign? Yeah, he's he was uh, working directly getting Clinton the, the dirt that they wanted on Trump. They wanted all kinds of dirt on Trump. And he is working vigorously to get that, and I think he accommodated him. Okay. All right. He was, uh, all right. I, the thing is, he, he, he was calling us right before our trial, which made it really hard to help him out. But he called me to say, hey, I really need your help. And, of course, uh, when I blew the whistle on Hillary, I sent all the documents, by the way, over to Obama. And when I blew the whistle on um, Lois Lerner, which I also called for her arrest on Megyn Kelly's show, but after that, the, that's when they spent four years, four grand juries, one in, in Baltimore, one in D.C., and then two in Houston, in four years, over four and a half years, and millions of dollars to do what they did to Trump, or uh, try to do Trump, only they were successful, and they uh, threw me in jail. And it was like so much effort for so little, but they saw me, I think, as a real uh, existential threat. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard uh, was the very desperate voice at the time of Congressman Steve Stockman from Texas in the gulag, in fear of his life, worried about being Epstein because of what he knows. And you just heard about what he knows. Now, uh, Ann Vandersteel, myself, we covered this story extensively. We were picking on Hillary Clinton, but when we spoke of Obama, we spoke of Joe Biden, who would have ever thought that Joe Biden would become president? But Hillary Clinton and Ukrainian oligarch shipped steel to Iran, potentially used for enrichment of nuclear centrifuges. Okay. Uh, this is probably one of the most extensive reports that I've done with Congressman Steve Stockman, who, by the way, President Trump had pardoned Congressman Steve Stockman. Congressman Steve Stockman was walked out the door because President Trump pardoned him. I, I would say there's about a 98% chance that through that process, Congressman Stockman was able to get information of President Trump. But let me go a couple steps further, and then I'm going to rant a little bit, and then I'm going to bring somebody on who's going to calm my noise, okay? His name is Bill Ogden because... We're going to take this to the grand jury somehow, some way. We're not taking it to Congress. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. First of all, in the court of public opinion, um, these people in Congress that heard that name Lev Parnas and didn't even object to anything that was being said, Lev Parnas being a, a, a convicted person by the DOJ, full leverage over his head with all those recordings of him under a FISA warrant, of everything that Rudy Giuliani was doing. And Lev Parnas submitted a letter to Congress essentially lying, lying to Congress that Rudy Giuliani and President Trump didn't know of any wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden. I have proof that says otherwise. 
that Lev Parnas, and here is, uh, I have it all documented in this report, by the way, all the recordings that I did of Congressman Steve Stockman, of course, uh, the CIA-run YouTube, of course, deleted that, but that doesn't make things go away because I have a copy of everything and it's offshore and the CIA is nothing but a, you know, if you go to the Cincinnati Zoo, I think we have the best group of chimps. There's only one group of chimps better and that's in Langley, Virginia at the CIA headquarters. But either way, we hope you visit Cincinnati and not Langley. They deleted all the recordings, but I documented all of my conversations with Lev Parnas, I have audio recordings, I have text messages, I have confirmation. This is the email I sent it to, uh, to Lev Parnas. He confirmed receipt. Did you receive my message? Uh, the only reason why I'm sending you this because Mr. Giuliani and President Trump are the only ones Mr. Stockman trusts at this juncture. Stockman tried getting this to the DOJ. He was jailed before he could finish his work. Here it is, right here. I understand. I passed on the info. Thank you. Uh, well, guess what happened? Um, what ended up happening is that Lev Parnas, within days after these text messages confirming, I promise I passed everything on, even these texts, he confirms everything, the emails, everything that came uh, from the attorneys to go to Rudy Giuliani, who was President Trump's attorney. Lev Parnas intercepted it, confirmed it, and two days later, guess what happened? The DOJ scooped him up and then stuck him in a box, and I'm sure he got rendered by the CIA. Next thing you know, fast forward to yesterday. Lev Parnas is now a slave of the CIA and the FBI, filling out letters saying, oh, Joe Biden didn't do anything wrong. And I say, you're a freaking liar, you, you Ukrainian spy. You got a better chance, Lev Parnas, of surviving. Because when the CIA finds out what I'm going to do, what I'm doing to you right now, okay? I'm doing it to you right now. And it's not what you expect. You won't know what's coming, you freaking slave. You CIA-captured slave working for the enemies that's treason against the united states of america lev parnas because you lied to congress for the benefit of somebody that stole that sold steel to the iranian government and it's documented here's lev parnas's criminal docket okay and it said on his docket that the FBI had a FISA warrant on this guy, all right? We know for a fact that a FISA warrant means when he's standing next to Rudy Giuliani that everything is being recorded, that President Trump was being spied on through Lev Parnas. That's how serious this is. And then when they arrested Lev Parnas after I spoke with him and he confirmed he received this information, folks, when I said... This is serious. This is deep. Lev Parnas right now, just with that letter that he sent to Congress, lying, okay, lying. He flat out lied in his letter. I want him under oath. What does that mean? 
in Congress. Deb Jordan, I don't know what that means. Are they ever going to hold somebody like him accountable? But you understand where I'm going here, right? I do. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, let let me share with you, okay? Congressman Steve Stockman's letter, all right, to the president, to Sally Jewell, to Neil Cornsey, the director of the Bureau of Land Management, okay? Do you remember this letter, April 15, 2014? I do. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. Congressman Steve Stockman, why is he connected to me? Uh, because God said so. That's why. <laughs> because Congressman Steve Stockman, that's how he got connected to this guy. It didn't just drop. I don't, I'm not like some, you know, uh, uh, crack investigative journalist. I had Congressman Steve Stockman advocating for what we did at Bundy Ranch when we stood up and we called the sheriff in to come in and protect life, liberty, and property. And Congressman Steve Stockman said, hey, what you guys are doing is illegal. And he wrote this letter, right? This was a letter that connected me to Congressman Steve Stockman. And that's why I reached out to Patty Stockman to try to get in touch with him. Well, that amounted to a whole bunch of things. And she said, well, you can't talk to him because he's in jail, all right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's in jail because of this letter right here. Here it is. And then I'm going to wind down. I'm going to rant. This this is not ending. I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, during the interview that I was playing, I'm just going to say this. It's got, This is going to the right person, okay? The right person. It's only one person it needs to go to, and it's going to that person. All this, and it's not Congress. And I want everybody to know uh, that as of this moment right here, especially with what happened yesterday, that Congress is part of the conspiracy to overthrow the United States of America. They are. Just through their actions yesterday. It's a theatrical performance. That That's a bit of information right there. If I were in Congress and I heard the name Lev Parnas, uh, I should, as a Republican, having the uh, most sophisticated research tools and surveillance tools. I should know the name Lev Parnas. And I should say, hey, Mr. Raskin, let me tell you about Lev Parnas, okay? Not only does he know that Joe Biden broke the law, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama, all three of them broke the law. Here's the forensic evidence. You ready? Uh, Congressman Stockman's chief of staff pulled this from his computer. Then it says here, draft letter, copy, original letter sent to the 113th Congress. Original editor is held by the Department of Treasury. Dear David S. Cohen, the own undersecretary of terrorism and financial intelligence. Congressman Stockman filed this with the Department of Treasury. I'm writing to seek your assistance and reviewing evidence that Ukrainian steelmaker Interpipe Group has violated the Iran Threat Reduction and Syria Human Rights Act of 2011. A body of evidence has come into my possession, which I've attached here, detailing exports from Interpipe to Iranian entities. I'm concerned that Interpipe, which operates in the U.S. as a North American Interpipe of Houston, Texas, may be contravened, may have contravened U.S. sanctions in Iran. I would call your attention specifically to the businesses dealing dealings of an obscure company called Ferrotech Steel LLP. All right, so where are we going with this? You ready? 
uh, I have a complete dossier. Well, I'm blessed to have been connected to Congressman Steve Stockman. He's at home. I don't even know if he's allowed to talk to me. Regardless, this information has been made public. I have all the auto recordings from Lev Parnas to Stockman. This is very serious stuff, folks. Do you agree? Very serious stuff. Crimes have been committed, perpetrated against the United States of America. It's treason. Delivering steel to Iran for their nuclear program secretly. Joe Biden has benefited. And guess how? Because, ladies and gentlemen, Victor Pinchuk helped push Joe Biden to the presidency by donating $40,000 per month to Joe Biden's presidential campaign. These are crimes, and the criminals reside in white buildings in Washington, D.C. I'm going to tell everybody right now, Stop watching Fox News clips and then buying big pharma, you know, uh, boner medicine uh, during the break when Jim Jordan yells and screams at the podium. It's all theater. Half of the people that are in that hearing are working for the CIA. All of them are too stupid to know who Lev Parnas is. Everybody right here is more educated than the freaking chimps in Congress about Lev Parnas. And what do they do? They just let, oh, Lev Parnas, who's that? I'd like to submit this letter from Lev Parnas that Rudy Giuliani didn't have any evidence of Joe. Yeah, that's a lie. That's a flat-out lie. That's perjury, okay, if he's testifying under oath. Bring him forward under oath. But then again, he's working for the CIA. That's what they do. They lie. So what are we going to do about this, ladies and gentlemen? What are we going to do about this? Well, I wish I had a grand jury to take all this. I literally have enough right now to present to a grand jury and have Lev Parnas swinging by his freaking you-know-whats, his Ukrainian freaking hamburger meat. This is disgusting. These are crimes against our country, and Congress is part of it. Raise your right hand right now. Everybody, raise your right hand. Even you, Bill Dog, and raise your right hand. I state your name. Are you unmuted? Make sure you unmute. I want to hear you state your name. <laughs> state your name. State your name. I do solemnly Bill swear. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. To never, ever, ever rely upon the criminal crime syndicate known as Congress complicit in a coup d'etat of the United States of America ever again. What you just said. Yes. So help me God. So help me God. Okay. So stop. Everybody stop. Stop. Congress is useless. I'm not taking this to Congress and, hey, you know, I could go piss in the wind, excuse my expression, and get better results. At least I won't have as bad of a taste in my mouth of sulfur that comes out of Washington, D.C. This is what we need to do, and we need to do it now. And I've been, and and I'm going to spend thirty minutes, just because the the man is so busy right now. We're going to do a special update on what we're doing to get to. This isn't some. We're not doing a branding thing, and 
You know, I say a branding thing. You know, when I say tactical civics, I mention that. You, you'll, you will eventually here in the coming weeks, you'll know what that means. It's, it'll be an abbreviated, it, it'll be, tactical civics is an ideology and crammed into tactical civics is this. We're gonna get to 3,143 counties. We're going to assemble citizen grand juries legally, constitutionally, it's legal. It's in five other states. It's not, it's not some conspiracy theory. Um, we're going to, by the will of the people, convene, or, or, or sorry, petition a judge to convene a grand jury and say, we've got enough probable cause right now to convene a grand jury. We, the people say, judgey, get it done. And the grand jury is convened and the grand jury investigates. And if there's enough evidence and the grand jury that's formed by we, the people, they bring an indictment. I'm using this as one example. If I have overwhelming evidence and this guy goes and testifies before Congress, commits perjury and, you know, uh, and he's uh, allowing this, the, the, oh, he's allowing President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, to be surveilled and he knows about this because he's under a FISA warrant and he's turning on the United States of America working as a freaking Ukrainian spy. Every single jurisdiction is impacted by this, by this Lev Parnas thing. So we convene a grand jury. And if the grand jury said he's an, he or whoever is, is guilty based on the evidence that presented to the grand jury, an indictment will come. That's the first step. I say the first step. Tactical civics is also about learning how to get to that point. I finally got these two because they're in such high demand. I ordered them. It was just like weeks it took me to get this. And, I, and that tells me I need to order like pallets of them uh, and have them in our store and sell them at cost. That way we have them available. Here it is. You ready? Uh, every if you order it right now, it'll take you weeks. But if you go to Tactical Civics right now, and you watch the 11 minute, watch the 11 minute video first, okay? Because because they're more articulate than I am, and I don't say piss. I mean, I say piss to the wind. They don't. They don't know that was rude. Watch the 11 minute video. Join and you get a free copy of this book and PDF version and everybody needs to start reading it. This is the roadmap right here. Okay. It also includes the U.S. Constitution. What is the great we set? I'm going to be singing um, some of the text here before. No, I'll let Bill Ogden do it. Um, Let me, let me share something with you. I'm going to read an excerpt. The founders, right again, this is just, I'm just opening up to a random section. Like rambunctious Siamese twins from Satan's womb, the fraudulently labeled Convention of States, outfit and national popular vote, the NPV scheme, call themselves conservative, while burning across every state legislatures, trying to destroy our constitution under the guise of badly needed reform. 
Okay. Written by those words written by and embraced by me. And I support that message, but uh, David Zuniga, he is a brilliant man that dedicated himself to studying exactly what tools we have available. And he's assembled everything, including training materials and a team of people to get everybody energized right here, right now on this broadcast. I'm not accepting that, that there's any one person listening to my voice right now that's not going to participate. And Bill Ogden, you're going to have to clean me up a little bit. Maybe I'm a little bit more forceful. But in light of what I just, and I, and I wanted you to hear a little bit of my rant about the Lev Parnas, the overthrow, Congress. Congress is useless. Yes or no, sir. Welcome back. What's more effective? That right there? Oh, you have your constitution? You have it. You sent it to me. I did. There was a text thing and I replied. Yes. And you sent me two of them. And they're really nice because they're handy. And it says, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. Well, I think you covered that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, now, sir, you know what? You're you're a very extreme. Now, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I'm very long winded, and 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 I had to push you this far out. You were supposed to come on at nine because I had to do some very important things. And guess what? One of those things was not. I did not contact Congress as of this day, Thursday, December twenty eighth, twenty twenty, whatever it is. 1776. I'm done with Congress. After what happened yesterday, we get to the show. You know what I mean? You get these people. Why is it that I know this stuff and they don't? Why will I ever, ever, ever rely upon them for anything? Congress will do nothing in that 10 square miles in those white buildings that is not more powerful than what we can do in 3,143 counties. you agree? Yes. And as I was listening to you uh, uh, during your 9 o'clock show, and, you know, how do you articulate the message? Some of its context, some of its operations. But I guess the context was this. I was remembering from a U.S. history text when we transitioned from the proprietary uh, agrarian society into the uh, the robber barons, the factories, the industrialists, business was built vertically rapidly. And so in response, according to the text, so did government to match the force for force, allegedly to protect the working man. But now you have these two titans, corporate America and corporate governance, and the, the, the individual seems to have been shoved to the side. The solution, of course, is to create in government that which you want represented, which is the people. And right now it represents the companies. Uh, I have this discussion with budding school board candidates. So a young fellow just got him elected up here. Two thirds out of every dollar that comes through our school district is from the state capital. And I said, you're uh, an attorney in private practice. If 
if you had one customer that was two thirds of your revenue and they wanted you to work Christmas Eve and New Year's, what would you do? He said, oh, I'd work Christmas Eve and New Year's. I said, precisely. It's, it's where is the money coming from? And so uh, we have to change the way we do business with Congress, with government, in order to have it reflect more of what we want. And, and I'll come back around to that. Um, some years back when I, I taught high school, uh, I told this story to my inbound freshmen. I would follow up with the, uh, with the seniors after they left school. When they would walk in as seniors, they'd say, this is it, Mr. Ogden, I'm done. We said, what do you mean? You're done. This is my last year. I'm not coming back to school next year. I don't care if I graduate. If you kick me out, I could flunk out. I quit. Uh, but the, the one thing I can guarantee is I will not be back. I said, well, what are you going to do? And they said, well, I'm going to get myself a hot car. Now, their definition of hot car and yours probably don't match it usually involves some sort of pop riveted hood scoop or something that they made themselves, but it, it was their vehicle. And I said, Ann, and they said, I'm going to get a good looking girlfriend. I thought it was interesting that the girlfriend was usually less well-defined than the automobile. I said, yeah. Uh, and then what? Well, I'm probably going to need a job to support the car and a girlfriend. Yeah, that makes sense. And then what? Well, I'm going to get my own place. I'm ready to call my own shots. I'm tired of having other people tell me what to do. I'm going to get my own place. My favorite on that was the guy that put the trailer literally 12 inches behind his mother's house. This much space between the residences. So I'd check with these guys over time to see how they did. They had, in fact, left school. They were driving the same piece of junk they thought was flashy when they were 17, 18. The young lady they had uh, met may or may not have had a couple children. Maybe they were married, maybe they weren't. They were living in some hole in the wall somewhere. They were working at some factory or establishment that was on its last legs. Uh, didn't know if they'd be employed next year. And uh, they, they had, in fact, moved out. And my point to the, to the youngsters who I was telling the story to, and my point to your audience is these guys got everything they said they wanted. What if they had wanted more? What if they had, had conceived of a life better than the one that they described to me when they were leaving school? And I guess that's a question for the, the people here in the Republic. It, are, you, are you living now the life th that you intended? Did you get everything you wanted? You know, Congress does this whole thing about jobs. It's no wonder they feed corporations because the public demands jobs. We'll give you jobs. Here's a job. There's a job. You know, and they, they feed the beast and you get hired or you don't get hired. And, and uh, it creates a certain lifestyle. We had a state legislator candidate here say our number one exports are children. They go to school and then leave to find decent work because there's none up here. Well, of course, we're not allowed to do the things here that we historically have done like mining and logging and making of bricks and so on mm -hmm. uh the the uh, natural resource industrial backbone of the country that we used to be we're not allowed to do that anymore so our kids leave by design i submit because that's the corporate culture that we have created because we didn't have the forethought to think about what we wanted so what's the solution 
The solution is to begin to define the life that we ought to be living and the way that we ought to be governing ourselves and to take a look at the history that we have and evaluate, are we, are we articulating the program the way it was set up? We are the heritors of a republic that people fought and died for a couple hundred years ago. They set up a structure to keep us from having to live under the tyranny that they escaped from. It is our obligation, I believe, to honor their memory and provide for our posterity. There's a word that you don't hear much anymore. Mm -hmm. It's our obligation to learn the constructs they designed for us and to operate them to take over running this country and to do the things that we are supposed to do. Dave Zuniga calls them chores in order to remain free and to honor the memory of those who've gone before us. There's a famous little vignette people talk about. Franklin's walking down the sidewalk and the woman says, what kind of government did you design for us, Dr. Franklin? And he says, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And quite often that story is told to emphasize the word republic. We're a republic, not a democracy. And that's an important point. But I believe the important point is if you can keep it. It's the you keeping it. Keeping, like a beekeeper, like somebody that keeps care or custody, a steward. And I've been using that word a lot on your show. We have a stewardship that we are supposed to exercise in this country over our country to keep it free so that the next generation uh, can live as our forefathers designed. You know, this is very much like a business that somebody created a couple generations before that passes down through family hands. And each generation has to learn how to step up and do those things that business owners do to, to, to stay afloat, keep this running because there's an obligation, not just to themselves, not just to their family, but to the people that surround and depend on the individual success. You know, in a community where a business thrives, other people benefit. And in a community where a business fails, other people suffer. So that stewardship that we exercise has ripple effects beyond our own reach and beyond our own benefit. And that's part of why we, we continue to do it. Uh, a simpler way to do it is bad stewardship here on the farm affects the people downstream. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in today's society, uh, that's watched intensely. And so I tell another story. Kid was ready to step up into dad's business. Dad wasn't sure that the kid had, was fully prepared. And he said, I'll tell you what, should you go out and earn a thousand dollars and through your own effort, bring it to me. And then we'll talk about your role in the management of this company. Well, the kid's mother heard that in the other room. And when he came out, he, she said, here, honey, just she, I'll give you the thousand dollars. Take it into him and uh, tell him you earned it. And then you can go ahead and step up. So the kid walked in, handed his dad the thousand dollars. His dad looked at it, tossed it across the room into the fire. Kid said, why'd you do that? He said, you didn't earn that. Huh, the kid said. So he left. Well, his mother had been listening again, and you know, this is her baby boy. She wanted to smooth the road for him, as it were. She said, here, and she got him some dirty clothes and, and uh, smudged his face and said, you go back with this in, in a day or two uh, and, and tell him you earned it and, and that'll cover it. So he, he did as she said, 
His dad looked, took the money and pitched it in the fire. And the kids, what'd you do? He says, you didn't earn that money. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you, you know, come back to me when you've earned a thousand dollars. Well, the kid, his spine got up just a little bit and he went out and he started working some odd jobs and finding a way to scratch together. And he got the money together himself. And he stomped into his dad's office and said, here, and he plopped it down in the desk. His dad looked at the money, looked at the kid, threw it in the fire. Well, the kid ran over to the fire and got it, brought it out, patted the money out. His dad said, ah, you earned that thousand, didn't you? See, when you have skin in the game, when you have sweat equity, when you've done something, then it's a little bit more serious to you. It's not just, it's not just the negatives, the consequences of poor stewardship. Oh yeah. But it's also the benefits of good stewardship. You know, you don't pay the price for getting in shape. You enjoy the benefits of getting in shape. You don't pay the price for fiscal responsibility. You enjoy the fruits of fiscal responsibility. And so, you know, there's a couple of stories uh, uh, just to kind of uh, bring us to a point where we as a we as a people as the heritors of this republic need to decide to do the actual work of learning how this thing's supposed to run and the actual work is let's start by reading the documents that form the basis that run our country have you read the constitution it's 4400 words do you know anything about it our forefathers the farmers who worked all day in the fields who ate by firelight or lantern light read the federalist papers to understand the constitution have you done that uh are have you self-educated can't expect someone and this this is another dilemma everybody wants someone else to do the work we'll give it to congress i'll fix it we'll give it to the medicine you know i heard your first say we'll give it to the doctors i'll fix it we'll give it well, why don't we fix it why don't, why don't I take responsibility and do what I need to do? <clears throat> if I'm going to play a game of chess with you, Pete, we're going to agree on the rules before we start. You know, queen on the color, white to the right, white goes first. All, you know, the bishops can only go diagonally. So we're going to agree on all that first. Well, we've agreed on all that here. We all agreed to the Constitution. People I hired agreed to it. They swore an oath to uphold and defend it. So since we've all agreed to the same set of rules, why don't we start applying them? And the first application is, and here, here's your quiz question. I already let the cat out of the bag. I used to uh, be an agriculture teacher. Uh, how many branches of government are there, Pete? Can you name them? Yes, I can. How many? Three. Give me a number. Oh, go ahead and name them. Executive, legislative, and judicial. Well, God love you. I'd, I'd give you credit for that much because you paid attention in history class up the hall. There's four. The deep, the people. The deep state. <laughs> we the people right. are the government. Okay. We the people. Is it an actual is it an actual branch or or is it um, just an entity? Uh, well, uh, I'm. Is, is there four branches of government? I would say that we, the people, superseding everything as the stewards, and, and we can get into a, uh, a conversation about who said that we're the stewards, who shall have dominion over all others. But I think because I have such a high regard for we, the people, I'm not going to refer to them as some sort of a bureaucratic branch 
of government. It is okay, right? We the if people you don't serve on the grant on the grand juries, and yes. we the people serve in the militia. Yes, grand jury and the militia never go away. Right, it's all the time. In the courthouse, the grand jury is equal to the judge, superior to the DA, superior to the sheriff. Mm -hmm. And it's a functional part of running things. It's the oversight board. Mm -hmm. It's a branch. And, and that's that's Bill's term for it. I, I will concede any point you want conceded, especially on your show. Uh, but I submit to you that, that that office has been vacant. That we have not done our job overseeing the people that we hired to run things. Uh, notice I said we're equal to and superior, uh, meaning that we run we run this deal. Uh, as far as things that are happening that should or shouldn't be happening, uh, the people in the form of a grand jury can investigate, proctor, oversee uh, any any function of government they deem necessary. Uh, and why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you spot check? I, I just it's hard for me to imagine someone involved in a manufacturing business that doesn't monitor the production line from time to time, doesn't look at, I don't know, the percentage of employee absence on a given day from time to time. Just if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Here we are in a country where we have a role, if you like role better than a branch, and we're, we're uh, abdicating it. We're simply not doing that, which we're supposed to do. And so, uh, you brought me on as a spokesman for Tactical Civics. It says it there on the thing below my face, uh, tacticalcivics.com. I'm the promotional coordinator. Tacticalcivics.com exists to provide a framework for the education of people in that which they have not learned about how their country was set up and how their country functions. Uh, the history, civics. Civics is simply a study of who's the boss. Uh, and then strategy and tactics to set this thing back on course. If it's off course and you spent a couple hours describing where it's veering sharply from the course, we the people have an obligation, if we want the benefits of liberty, to set it back on course. And tactical civics exists to teach that. It's very gentle teaching. It also requires a student uh, and a student will pick up the books and read them. Uh, it's interesting. I talk to people that join and, and they're very passionate. They want the country restored. They want freedom for their grandchildren, but they seem to struggle reading 102 pages in a book. And I, I always ask, you know, if you're serious, 102 pages, it's not like you have to sleep in the snow with rags around your feet like they did at Valley Forge or, you know, cross, uh, across the river with all the ice chunks. You know, they were two hours behind on that mission. I don't know if you know the story. A couple of people died from exposure on their way over. It was a tremendous military victory, but it wasn't without cost and sacrifice. And so compared to that, reading 102 pages doesn't seem real steep to me. My goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bill has, uh, you know. Uh, mm. Bill has a couple laws of education he uses. One is there's a nickel. And on one side of the nickel, it says that the teacher hasn't taught if the student hasn't learned. Boy, that, that'll irritate a teacher, by the way. What do you mean? If I haven't done anything, I've been working hard. The other side of the nickel is when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. And it's all about the readiness. You as the learner have to get to a point where I want to learn what I need to learn 
so that I can know what I need to know and do what I need to do to solve this problem. Oh, yeah. It's you so, were going to say something. It's so you had important. To, I say I'm going to say something. Even, even in the work in the, in, in the workforce, you know, as a, uh, as a manager, as a coach, as a, you know, mentor, um, I say this to my, my managers. I was a vice president at Coca-Cola, but I would tell them, um, because they would say, well, I, I told everybody, you know, how come everybody isn't going along with the program? They didn't, you know, oh, well, they didn't get the memo. And I I, 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 I told them, you know, what else am I going to do? And I'd bring them in and say, stop, stop. You can be the best order. You're going to send the best memos. you can be the prettiest person. Um, you could say it perfectly and succinctly. Um, but what happens if they're not receiving your message? Where does it go? Um, so if if people are not following along and not just hearing it, they have to internalize it. They need to believe in it. You're gonna lead them in a certain direction. You can't say, well, I told them that they had to show up to work every single day and I'm absolved of my responsibility. Maybe they're not hearing what you're saying and why. Change your approach because they're not taking it in. Your, your stuff is just bouncing off the wall. So the teacher analogy, it's so important. You could be the the brightest person, the prettiest person, and certainly you and I are not. Um, how we say things is one thing, but the most important part is how everyone is receiving it and what they're doing with that information, right? Yes, sir. And so when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. Yes. And so there they were coming into my room, rough and ready, end of August, beginning of September, 14 to 15 year old, predominantly young men, and uh, why aren't we in shop was her question. You know, they had their agenda, I had mine. And so I would just say, welcome gentlemen to the agriculture program, uh, where you will become in the course of our curriculum, experts on and uh, 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 just completely knowledgeable about everything having to do with sex. And they would set up straight. Oh! I said, because on the farm, if it doesn't reproduce, uh, we, you know, we don't keep it. Huh. So they said, yes, sir, Mr. Ogden, we are students. Where's my pencil? And at 14, they weren't quite sure if the topic I was covering right now was pertinent or not, but it might be. And so, it, in other words, I had to provide them some sort of uh, what's important to you uh, angle before I could talk about what I wanted to get across. You know, what you find the need first, make a friend, find a need, transmit a feeling, promote the, the materials, make a friend, find a need. Well, what, what did they need? They needed information on a topic they were really interested in learning about. If I could hang what I'm doing to what they want to know, I guess we could have education then, couldn't we? You know, I taught parliamentary procedure, possibly one of the driest topics you could ever come up with. And now, oh, man, why do we have to learn this? I'm going to go out and finish building my gun cabinet or whatever they want to do. Well, I said, you're right. We probably could put this off. But didn't you tell me you were going to be in the fire department? Yeah, yeah. Don't they have monthly meetings? Yeah, yeah. Aren't you going to want to, you know, be able to present an idea to do things? So, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, isn't there a chair? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to excel at that, wouldn't it be good if I talk? Yeah. What, how does that work, Mr. Rock? You have to present things in the way that people want it. And uh, so my expression here at Tactical Civics is every day, the criminals in government 
by criminals, I mean the people who are not following the Constitution. Every day, they do something to enhance market conditions for me. They are motivating people in record numbers to join Tactical Civics because they finally want a solution for a change. Yes. We have complained about the problem ad nauseum for decades. Now let's fix it. How do we fix it? And uh, in the remaining couple of minutes, I'll just walk through this. I, my, we can call I it say, how, what, can, can you, uh, uh, let's, let's do parliamentary procedure. Uh, can you yield a few minutes of the remaining 10 that we have? How many I can have you give me? Four. Hmm? You have the four? I, <laughs> I object. Yes. I yield. <laughs> no, if you can, just a couple of minutes, just let me throw back to me because I just need a couple of minutes to supplement what you're saying. Continue. Please do. Right now? Yeah. Okay, right now this is what I'm going to say. A, there's going to be, all right, so, ladies and gentlemen, take, please, I could yell, scream, be an organ grinder monkey, jump up and down, get everybody excited, certain portion of you are gonna receive it and you're internalizing it and you're acting, right? Um, if I have 50,000 people on a show, man, you know, total, by the time everything, you know, all the rebroadcast, everything, 50,000. We'll do, you know, anywhere, depending on the day, 25 to 50,000. Uh, and then maybe, you know, 100 people join, right? Uh, how many of those two groups are interested in saving our country? How many? 100%. 100%. Every person right now, take this into your soul. All right. I have not only kicked the tires on this thing. I've, I, I told Bill Ogden when I first discovered what tactical civics is doing. I said, I, I am tactical civics and I, and I'm a little bit rough around the edges, uh, in the following regard, I say I'm rough around the edges. You ready? Um, I don't know how to set up a citizen's grand jury. David Zuniga and the team, they've not only learned the law, what our founding is, basically everything that everyone, including me, has in their beliefs and their bad habits was based on what we've been told. And it was all a lie. <laughs> That's a fact. It was all a lie. So. I have to make sure that I follow the step-by-step. -step. I have to deprogram myself because, you know, I could even get into some esoteric spinoff into 1871 or Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 and try to focus on returning the land back to the people and get them $167 trillion. And is that the path of least resistance for everybody? No, it isn't. That's a hard-fought battle. Let's get ourselves... And we're going to, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? You have to do it. Everybody put blinders on, stay focused. Don't worry about eliminating the gold fringe on the flag and the maritime laws and all that. You could really, you're all right. U.S. code, you don't need a driver's license, all that stuff. You don't need a driver's license, by the way. The U.S. code, you know for commercial purposes. But what we have to do is we have to get 300,000 plus law enforcement officials trained in the law. And that's going to take, you know, a little bit of turning around because you're going to get shot if all of a sudden you say, I don't need a driver's license. Um, and the U.S. code says this, or maybe you'll misinterpret it. So here's my, here's my point. 
we were going to have, and I'm going to make a special announcement. You're going to hear uh, that it's coming this afternoon, and it's big. It's a big announcement. You guys have responded so well. I believe we should have a 100% response. It's not that. But guess what? Um, I don't want to throw everyone into a bucket, seal the lid, and say, all right, you guys, we got you. All right, there we go. Captive audience. And everyone's in there saying, what do we do? What do we do? Where do we go? There's a step-by-step -step process that I have to be deprogrammed and set on course to be very efficient on teaching people in 3,143 counties myself. However I do it, I need to be able to guide 3,143 people step-by-step-by-step. -by -step -by -step. And there is a process and there's a way to do it. And this will happen if we do it right to not do it on Saturday, to allow a, a few more weeks. We've actually made the decision and the announcement's gonna come this afternoon uh, to say, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna keep disciplined, we're gonna stay the course. And you guys are gonna hear that we're gonna push it one month out, why? Because there's additional tools we're gonna use, we're gonna make sure we get this done right. Now when we have 3,143 people in the stadium, they're not just sitting there somebody on the stage they're they're being told you know this is what we're going to do uh and everybody's being served so that we can efficiently take our country back so that they quote unquote will never know what hit them all right one final thing and i'll throw back to you uh you're supposed to say you, you've exceeded your time here's what i want you to do uh i put here there's going to be a special announcement thursday 12 28 that's today but in the meantime, I want everyone, and I should have 100% participation in the following. Visit tacticalcivics.com. Watch the 11-minute video. Watch the 11-minute video. Watch the 11-minute video. Now, you should be inspired by that point to join. And what's the incentive to join? All of the books, okay? You're going to get a PDF copy of everything. So for those of you that like to read, study, and get a head start, do it now. You get a free copy if you join. We're not selling anything. Actually, the books that I purchased, I think it was $4 for the Great Wee Set on Amazon. I think it's just a distribution channel. Dave Zuniga is like doing it at cost. Nobody's making a profit. Um, so go to tacticalcivics.com. Everybody, uh, how many of you right now that are listening to my voice right now, internalize this, you ready? How many of you are interested in saving our country? We should have 100% people say yes. Then go to tacticalcivics.com, watch the 11-minute video. It's, they're going to do a much better job, and they won't be as long-winded as me. Then get on our text alert system, and you'll receive, just register for text alerts, receive two free U.S. constitutions. We're sending them. Why? I mean, you pay for the postage, we ship it to you. I paid for the constitutions. That's our contribution, you know, monetarily. Um, I just can't afford all the postage because Joe Biden screwed that one up. So get on our text alert system, go to tacticalcivics.com. And then, uh, sir, I'm going to give you the floor to bring us together full circle here. That's the right thing to do, isn't it? We actually made a conscious decision and said, whoa. If we put a million people on the stream and, you know, 100,000 people sign up, then what? We're not going to have you sitting there.
We need to move efficiently. We need to act, get everybody trained, find out who's who, who's smart, who's dumb like me, who's going to need a little bit more coaching like me. Well, let's assign him to Bill Ogden, get him squared away, right? And get you assigned to a coach and the coaching process. All right, sir, back to you. You are a Marine and logistics are important. Yep. You know, we cannot advance beyond their supply line. It's just that simple. And so in order to do what is going to happen, we have to make sure that we're set up on the supply line. And I think everybody understands that. Only a fool would outrun their fuel and ammunition and food. Uh, that's just, that's never gonna work. Uh, it's the same kind of foolishness as riding off all by yourself trying to tackle this problem when it's a we problem to address. Um, how, what, why is always the basis uh, of the decision-making. You know, I learned about this by listening to a podcast where Dave Zuniga was answering questions. Uh, having been searching for, A, uh, information on what had happened, B, what was happening, and C, how do we fix it? I never could hear solutions until I heard Zuniga articulate them and reference the book, The Great We Set. During that podcast, I ordered the book. I called uh, Scott McKay after his show and I said, hey, I saw your program. I think you've hit it. I ordered the book. And uh, he said, uh, read that and come back on. We'll do a book report. And, and so the journey began. The, uh, the what about it that attracted me is as I read this book, it was not only plausible, it was probable, but it was actionable. Oh, yes. Uh, you said uh, earlier in, in your uh, monologue about uh, adjusting the, the Constitution, uh, and I forget the exact phrase you used, but necessary uh, renovations, that's not it, updates. How about necessary enforcement? Why don't, before we fix the one we've got, why don't we try implementing it and Bingo. see if it actually works? Bingo. Uh, since we're not following it now, uh, it's really hard to say if we changed it and didn't follow it, we get any better results. And that's my response to the Article 5 people, the Convention of States people. Amen. They have all these brainy ideas, and, and there are other people with brainy ideas like popular vote, get rid of the Electoral College. Why don't we do what the rules say that we're supposed to do first? Give that a good test run for, I don't know, 100 years, uh, at least some uh, time span. You know, I know a little bit about science, too. And one of the things you do is you test the thing and collect data before you discard it and try something new. And I think we ought to actually test this one out and see if it works. It's the one thing we, we have failed to do since the founding generation is enforce it. But uh, uh, because I wanted the result, you know, there's a there's a place when you registered and put up uh, your personal profile on tax civics they had some uh i just want to fix this yeah i want the solution i'm looking for the results you know when the dog comes in with quills in his nose i don't worry about where the porcupine was or what exactly did he get you know, i want to get the quills out mm -hmm. i just want to solve it solve and go yeah. the speed at which you can move from problem identified to solution derived 
uh, is the speed at which you're going to succeed in life. And, and that's where we are here. But I wanted to thank you for having me on again. Enjoyed your program this morning. You did. Well, guess what? I don't want to end abruptly like that. It's perfect, though. Uh, we're going to end on this note. We have work to do immediately following. And I want to tell everybody right now, um, stay the course. It took it took decades of us falling asleep at the wheel. All right? Do not look for a personality or an idol or a political figure or a influencer or a talk show host or it doesn't matter. Stop. Stop for a second. And I've taken and embraced the reality here. And I called out Congress. There is no attorney. There is no legislative body. There is no court. There, is, there isn't. They don't exist for what we want to do, including President Trump. I love President Trump. If I vote for President Trump, that's a neat little four-year entertainment escapade. I say it's going to be entertaining. It's great. It's great to watch. But what we're living for right now, and this is what I want everybody to be inspired by, is what you're going to do is say, damn it, that's right. Um, we're not going... This system right here, okay, the system, the educational tools, and the process we need to go to, focuses on the top influencer, personality, attorney, whatever, president, okay? And that's you. That's it. We're going to rely upon you. And if we do that times 3,143, and then you replicate that model times 3,143, plus, 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 exponentially, then guess what? When President Trump leaves, it doesn't matter. You can just plug any chimp into the rocket ship and we, the people, are in charge. It doesn't matter who the president is. The president will go there and fulfill his duties knowing that we have a bunch of educated people that never trust anyone but our own souls, our own instincts, our own founding on what our forefathers, our forefathers never said, oh, vote for a billionaire and have him drain the swamp and that'll be the fix. It's nowhere in the Constitution. And I'm not disparaging President Trump. Oh, uh, just rely upon 535 people in Washington, D.C. Wait for your orders. They're going to be lording over you. Uh, just uh, stand by and, and you'll be getting instructions from them. Well, how well did that work out for us? How well did that work out for us? That's what got us into this mess. How we get out of it, our founders literally prepared for this moment without even knowing it. I wish they could, and I bet they're, they're, they're looking down saying, wow, <laughs> we didn't expect it was going to be that powerful. We knelt down in prayer, and the Lord certainly exceeded our expectations because this thing is everlasting. The, what we've put together for we the people, and if we the people actually take it and run with it, the republic if we can keep it and the people decide that they're going to keep it. That's everlasting. We need to make sure that what has happened to our country never happens again. There's only one guarantee is if each and every one of you respond to the call. And if you feel 
that this is a calling. That's who we're looking for. So do I want 50,000 people to jump on? No, I don't. I want to be able to articulate to 50,000, 100,000, a million people. I want to, instead of going on Saturday and talking to a million people and saying, all right, all million people, come on board. No, I don't want them to come on board. I want of the million people I speak to that a million people receive the message that if each of us does our part, we are inconquerable. We are inconquerable. We have everything we need. And this, what has happened to our country, won't happen again if we do this right. And he could be of every race, creed, color, religious persuasion. And by the way, if you don't believe in God, hang out with us. You will sin because you're about to see some miracles. You're not going to be harmed by what we have to offer. Freedom and the king of the universe, the almighty. And this is what we've been praying for. His intervention, it's here and now. If you can feel it, then you're in the right place. Then join us. If you, if you can't feel it just yet, stand by. Every, every, eventually, you're going to get a kick in the pants. And you're going to say, wow, I want to be part of this thing. Bill Ogden, God bless you, sir. God bless America. God bless uh, all of us. God bless all of us. All right. Um, I'm going to sign off without too much fanfare uh, on the following. I've been skipping breaks like crazy. We're, you know, we need your support, but, but we need you to help us save our country. So that first step right here. Free. Go to tacticalcivics.com. Watch the 11 minute video. Stand by for the special announcement. Okay. Do that. And we will see you this afternoon. Um, I have a special broadcast I'll be doing here momentarily. Um, good things are coming, folks. I promise you.